Welcome everyone to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Kornavotny and I'm joined this week as always by my co-host Brian Wells, along with a special guest host, a recurring one at that, Kenny Cashman, who joins us to help react to this weekend's NFL Conference Championship games. The Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams are moving on to meet in Super Bowl 56. We'll talk about their victories on Sunday, as well as the big retirement news for both Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger, the quarterbacks of our favorite teams. We'll talk about some of the NFL head coach hirings that have already happened, including the Las Vegas Raiders poaching Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler from the Patriots. And we'll talk about some other news in pop culture from the past week before wrapping up this episode by counting down our favorite Pixar films in this week's top five. A lot of content to get to in both the sports and pop culture world, like always when we have Kenny on as a guest. So with that, let's get started. Another episode featuring a guest, and it's someone that he's done it. Listeners have grown to know and love at this point. Kenny Cashman, welcome back on the podcast. Thanks. Great to be back. Thanks for having me. So you can listen to Kenny on his own podcast, The C-Team Show, available probably wherever you find this one. And you also have your Twitch stream, Grobo streams that is uh robo streams yeah yeah and that's becoming seemingly more active uh, i know for a while you weren't using it but things seems like you're yeah. always going live now yeah I, uh, I i ended up taking a little bit of a break but i'm back i'm back to it as long as my computer holds up because i've been having issues with that now but i i should be back yeah pretty regularly i chime in from time to time in the comment section <laughs> it's always good to see you, brian <laughs> yeah so uh we we had you on back in November, and it was just kind of like a random appearance. We hadn't had you on in a while, and we decided to do top five Disney films that episode in honor of Mickey Mouse's birthday. And when we came up with the idea, I decided I was going to exclude Pixar films just because there's so many films within both the Disney and the Pixar-specific universe that it made sense to split them up. And... Uh, the Pixar founders date or whatever you want to call it, the day where they were incorporated is February 3rd, 1986. So at the time I said, after the conference championship game, we're going to go ahead and do a Pixar episode. Brian, you're like, I could probably do all Pixar movies in the top five if we uh, made it a free for all. Yeah. So uh, we, we're glad to finally get to this point. We said, hey, we're going to have Kenny on the podcast then. So glad to have you back. And I guess with that, Let's get to it. And uh, we're going to talk about, you know, of course, top five later, conference championship games, lots of football news to get to. Before we get into some of the action, though, let's talk about the biggest sports news of the weekend. At this point, if you don't 
acknowledge that he is the greatest of all time. You're simply just a hater. He's a legend. My guy, Rafael Nadal, wins his 21st Grand Slam title, the most of any men's tennis player, breaking a three-way tie between Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer with his comeback against Neil Medvedev, 2-0 down. Brian, are you finally willing to admit that Nadal is the GOAT? I'm not a hater. Like I don't care. <laughs> I know you hate <laughs> I like, Novak just as much as me. Are you? Yeah. Are you? No. I, I like. I like. Uh, I mean, well, first of all, I don't care about tennis. It's like college football. We're like, yeah, I don't like Saban, but do I really care if he wins? Whatever. Uh, but tennis. When it, yeah, when it comes to tennis, I like Federer and I like Nadal. I like both those guys. But yeah, I, I don't like Novak. So <laughs> I'm fine. I'm totally fine with it. Yeah. I, I did watch the. What's funny is that when, that morning when the Australian Open was finishing up i turn on tv and i see it's five to five in the fifth set between him and medvedev yeah Daniel medvedev. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah and uh yeah i i got to see the best part of the tournament or yeah the best part of the match <laughs> the very end and uh good for good for good for nadal and that definitely postpones novak's chance of uh passing him for a little bit yeah hopefully for a lot of it with nadal being the king of clay and the french open coming up next uh, so yeah, that's kind of my my favorite bit is to. I did not expect to talk tennis to start act like out. I'm talking about <laughs> someone else and saying these things to somebody I don't like, only to conveniently be able to turn it into an adult conversation. I did that when the Lakers won the bubble tournament, but of course the real news is um, the quarterback retirement. Ben Roethlisberger announces retirement on Thursday. And he only gets two days before Adam Schefter, combined with Jeff Darlington, dropped the news that Tom Brady will be announcing his retirement as well. A lot of, uh, is this really real? Is he waiting? What's happening? And then a day after saying on his Let's Go podcast that he's taking it day by day, it turns out that is the day for him to officially make his post, uh, seven-page Instagram post thanking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their owner, the Glazer family, uh, head coach Bruce Arian, everyone else on the staff, all his teammates, everyone associated with the Bucks, And then a few hours later, he says, oh, and thank you, Patriot Nation, as well, in a quote tweet. So first off, I want to say, are you guys offended at all or by no. the way that happened? Oh, God, no. He, ar- he already said goodbye to New England. Like, that that already happened. And and honestly, his goodbye to New England was more offensive to me because he said forever a Patriot and left. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know, I, but I like I, I, I don't know if it's fair to say. Is it fair for me to say that I'm the I'm the biggest Brady fan here? I, obviously, it's between Brian and me, but like yeah, I, don't, I, don't I think it's it's pretty fair. <laughs> You're the one wearing a Tom Brady jersey right now. I am. I, I'm wearing his Patriots jersey, but I have his Buccaneers jersey too. Like I fully became a Buccaneers fan, second to the Patriots. But when he left, I followed him. I literally went to Tampa Bay to see him. Like I was. I'm I'm a Tom Brady fan as as well as a Patriots fan and uh I'm I, I it's very upsetting to me that he didn't get to uh announce this himself and I I would imagine if he were going to do it himself he would not have stepped on Roethlisberger's toes so much uh because I mean obviously 2 days isn't really you know it it would be nicer to wait a little bit and give Roethlisberger his moment cuz he played he played a long time and obviously had a, a very accomplished career as well. Um, but I, I don't even think he would have announced it by now if it weren't for the league. I, I, maybe he would have, but I don't think he would have. 
Um, yeah, I, I don't love that it got announced the way it did. Yeah. And even Brady said it on Monday in his podcast where we live in a world where people want to get ahead of the news before right. everyone else, which is kind of a shot at Schefter, which is funny. No, I mean, it's, it's true. And honestly, Brian, you're the one who I the first I heard about it was when you sent me Schefter. I think it was Schefter's tweet. And I, I sent back it was a SpongeBob picture, but I just, it just said no, because I, I didn't believe it. I, I, you know, I, I kind of felt like I was in denial, but the more and more time went on and Brady, it came out that Brady had said he hadn't made a decision. And I thought leaving the season, all signs to me pointed that he was going to play one more. Um, obviously there were, there were signs in both directions, but I really thought he's coming back for one more year. So I was, I was, I was hopeful that, that somehow this leak was incorrect until today, uh, when, when I was at work and I, I had essentially the same experience twice of uh, a couple years ago, I was at work and found out Brady was going, Brady was leaving. And then uh, today I was at work and found out that Brady was retiring. And it, it, I didn't, it, I, I, I probably sound dramatic, but like, it's, it, it's not, it's tough. Like someone asked me about it on Saturday and I was like, yeah, it feels like someone died. And that's, oh, it feels like my, it, feel, it felt like my childhood ended and I know it ended several, several years ago, <laughs> yeah, but, right. well, no, but that was the last part of my childhood. The first ever Patriots game I ever watched was the tuck rule game. Oh yeah. First yeah. ever game I've ever watched as a Patriots fan was the tuck rule game, the playoff game versus Oakland in the snow and, and, and Brady's <laughs> the quarterback uh, for the Patriots as long as I can remember. Like, he was really the only starting quarterback. Well, Matt Castle for one year and. And there were times where Jimmy and Jacoby came in right. for one year, but it was really Brady uh, from the start. <laughs> the starting quarterback is the only thing, the only guy that was really starting for the Patriots for all this time. And so, yeah, I, the the news definitely sucked for me as well. And it kind of surprised me because he can still play at an elite level. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He played. He played at an MVP level where it was. It's 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 either gonna be him or Rogers or Cup uh, for MVP this year. And he's doing it at 44 years old. And so, and he also said that he'd retire when he sucks. And he clearly does not suck. Right. <laughs> he doesn't, he can still. He doesn't suck. Like, uh, he, if I remember correctly, he originally had a two year contract with the Bucks and he extended it one year, which means he had one year left. Uh, I don't, it's, it's been recycled so many times. That I don't even know if Brady originally said he wanted to play till 45, but that's a number that's been thrown around a lot. I know that historically he hasn't really talked about ending on a super bowl but there was a recent quote that he was like yeah it'd be nice to end on a super bowl gronk has has teased a possibility of coming back for a 12th season so to me i was just like the writing's on the wall for for one last run for brady and and probably for gronk they'll each do one more season and then leave and all of a sudden brady's gone i haven't heard anything from gronk i imagine he's not going to play without brady at this point um but yeah, it, to say to say it feels like someone dies is certainly dramatic. But it, it similarly to when someone dies, I'm never gonna see I'm never gonna see him again. Like sure, he can be in the media, be doing whatever, but I'm never gonna see him playing. So it you know in a in in a way he did die, and that is again very dramatic. I know, but but uh, it's how I feel. So it's sad. Yeah, I think when it comes to this Brady thing, I think part of it is because his wife Giselle wants him to stop playing she's wanted him to stop playing for so long like 10 years probably yeah (laughs) and i think i think that certainly plays a role but i also think the way the bucks year uh season ended with ab losing his mind and leaving and godwin also tearing his acl and who knows if he'll come back and 
the defense, even though it's got some great players like Shaq Barrett, David, and Devin White, even though it has a lot of great players, it did not perform uh, to the level it did last season. And I, I think it's obvious that Brady doesn't care for Arians. And I don't, I think Brady looks at it and thinks to himself, like, I don't believe we can win next year. And I don't want to be part of a rebuild's not the right word, but I don't want to be, he wants to win. He wants, it's either win or like, what's the point for him? And so I think that's also, I think that also plays a factor into why he's retiring. But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that his wife really wants him to not play anymore. And he's accomplished basically everything he can accomplish throughout his career. Well, he should have, he should have signed a one-year contract with the 49ers, replaced Jimmy. Give Trey Lance another year on the bench. What was he thinking? What was he thinking? That was actually one thing that I, I heard thrown out as a possibility was him deciding to play and demanding a trade to San Francisco to go home for his last season. So we we talked about the possibility of Tom Brady retiring on last week's episode. And I, I didn't necessarily think it would happen using the whole he wanted to play until he was 45 argument right. as like the basis of that logic. It felt kind of crazy that he would hang it up at 44. But, you know, all the points Brian talked about with the way the season ended makes sense. Of course, the family factor is there. Giselle has been in in reports, has been pushing for this for a while. I'm sure she would have been very happy with him retiring after 2019 instead of sticking around for two more years in Tampa Bay. And as much as you can say, well, he's still playing at a high level. He wants to play till he sucks. That's what he said years ago. There's something to be said about going out on your own terms, still playing at a high level. He can say he physically could keep playing football at 45, 46, 47 years old. Who knows at this point? Mentally, he isn't there anymore, so I understand that aspect of it. But he'll always have that going for him. And... You know, obviously, like my my opinion on Tom Brady is very different than you guys. He's tortured me for the better part of my 26 years on this planet. It's... Well, he's the greatest of all time, and if you don't say that, you're a hater at this point. <laughs> Didn't you say that? With yeah, no, I'm I'm both. Yeah, I, I am I am a hater on Tom Brady, and like, yes, I get it. He is the greatest to ever do it, and it's painful growing up a fan of a team that isn't the New England Patriots in New England. So it just naturally made it really difficult to, uh, you know, have to deal with him. And even with those nine years of not winning a Super Bowl, like to turn around and go win four more at the end of the career is just I, I dreamed of the day of him announcing his retirement for so long. And then it finally came and it's just like, whatever, who cares? Like you said, there's nothing more he can accomplish. He did everything. There's at this point, it's just, OK, I'm glad that he's done. I don't have to deal with it with another year. And but that that's it like i can't like any any idea of him like falling off a cliff never happened like there was never like this awesome ending and when it ended he wasn't even the patriots anymore the patriots have fully moved on you guys have mac jones now like you have a rebuild and you know obviously it's things probably won't be the same as the 20 years when he was there but it's not like he left you in the dark he left the box in the dark we're now back to probably being irrelevant soon if not already so uh, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the way this ended for him, it's it's just whatever. Like, I'm glad he's done. Like, I'll I'll acknowledge everything that he's accomplished over the past 22 seasons. And, uh, you know, I'm going to have to deal with him again in five years when him and Big Ben are both going into the Hall of Fame together, presumably assuming that Brady doesn't get a early entry or whatever to, you know, honor him for his GOAT status. 
Well, also, I, one more thing uh, to mention. He wrote this like 10-page essay on his retirement post, and he didn't even mention the Patriots once. No, Honestly, he, he, he didn't. But like I said, he already said goodbye to the Patriots. I'm yeah. not... Like he w- he wasn't leaving the Patriots. He was leaving the Buccaneers. The pa- yeah. the Patriots he already did leave, and you know he thanked them and they thanked him first. And I I don't really think there's any problem with it. Yeah, um, I, I honestly don't care. I, yeah, but people are losing their minds. Oh yeah, which I this. think that's hilarious. I I yeah, love the way he went about I, the retirement. Like that is a, like I, greatest I love retirement that he, of all time. It's a picture of him in a Bucks jersey yep. at the game in Foxborough, and him smiling, pointing at someone. It's like it's a total shot. Like yeah, and he's he doesn't even mention the Patriots once in it, and that's, and people say it's petty and childish, and honestly, I don't care one because like what Kenny said. He already had his goodbye with the Patriots a couple of years ago and said all nice things about New England. And, and two, I, he doesn't owe us anything. No. <laughs> he gave us 20 years of joy <laughs> yeah. uh, winning six Super Bowls. I could care less. I can, could not care less uh, about that stuff. Right. And, and like I said, for me, like I'm a Patriots fan, but I'm also, I, I am a Tom Brady fan. Like I'm not going to pretend that I, I call me a fan boy. I don't care. It's whatever. Like I'm not offended because I appreciate his all 22 years of his career, including the years with the Bucks. Um, I, I will say, uh, I've, I've said this before. I've, I might've even said it on this podcast, but, um, I agree with a, uh, another Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, uh, Terry Bradshaw regarding the, the whole goat thing. I, I just think it's a silly argument to even say greatest of all time. I, I don't think it's worth comparing athletes across generations, across sports. It's just like, I'm not even going to say Brady's the goat and it, it's, he was great, obviously. So was Roethlisberger. So was Terry Bradshaw. There are so many great, great athletes out there. Uh, the greatest of all time doesn't really matter to me. Um, I, I think Terry Bradshaw, uh, T- Terry Bradshaw's opinion resonates with me in that regard. So yeah, I guess we, good job, Terry. <laughs> we uh, we had a, a goat of goats debate last year with Brian and I, where he was like oh, very much. Yeah, I mean, I was like joking around the whole time. I think he very much <laughs> was like thinking a little too seriously about it. Uh, but again, it just speaks to like how silly of an argument it is. And I totally yeah. get that. Like, you know, it's, it's, um, how silly of an argument it is. We, we talked about <laughs> Joey chestnut and, and, yeah. and secretary. And, and if, if a hot dog eater is a better secretary. athlete than Tom Brady, come on. Um, anyway, I guess. Yeah. So big Ben is retiring as well. And now, I mean, I, uh, obviously like my feelings for him are still great like I can't say everything you guys say about Brady winning seven Super Bowls as I can about Ben but today is the 13 year anniversary of the uh, Super Bowl victory over the Cardinals Big Ben the Santonio Holmes one of one of the greatest throws and catches in Super Bowl history just an an incredible play at the same time that's it they went to the Super Bowl two years later lost only one AFC championship game appearance since then that's something that Brian and I kind of talked about when the whole, um, you know, everything was unfolding with the whole Browns game and the send off. Whereas, like, this is this is it. He's still playing, but this might as well be it. Um, where there is a lot of uh, disappointment in the end, and just like, you know, for a long time, I wanted him to get that third Super Bowl. I wanted him to have a real shot, and he never really got it. I can blame the defense, offensive line coaching, a lot of factors that go into it. Maybe even himself. At, plenty of times yes um, definitely himself at times yeah i mean there, there, definitely, he, he definitely made some mistakes uh, you know i think that there are some phenomenal offenses that he was a part of mistakes and, he got fat over the past five seasons you're right no the last <laughs> the end you're right yes it was it was you know beyond time for him to go 
Uh, but no, I mean, I, I still have a lot of great memories from, you know, in middle school and even like in recent times since then, like the Antonio Brown score against the Ravens. Like there, there's still plenty of moments. They just aren't at necessarily the same level as where I would want them to be. Doesn't diminish anything he accomplished. I mean, he's the greatest Steeler, greatest Steelers quarterback of all time. What about um, TV12? You know, Bradshaw got those four Super Bowls, but he was also benched during a couple of those runs. So I think it's it's fair to say statistically Ben had it. And now I'm approaching this offseason kind of like you guys had to the Patriots the past two offseason, where it's like, okay, how do we move on from this guy? Like, he's the only quarterback I've ever known. I didn't, you know, Brian talks about becoming a fan during a tuck rule. I didn't start becoming a Steelers fan, like really caring about sports until the 2004 season, which was Big Ben's rookie year. So, yeah, I mean, there's more guys here. Uh, you know, Charlie Batch, Tommy Maddox, Dennis Dixon, Mason Rudolph, Duck Hodges, uh, you know, Josh Dobbs. Like, there are other guys that got in there. Of course, one of the things of Ben Landry was all Jones. the injuries. Yeah, Landry Jones, Michael Vick. You know, he, he got hurt a lot, so he was constantly being replaced for a couple of games here and there. Uh, but yeah, now the question is where the Steelers go from here. And there's a ton of cap space. You know, I've, <laughs> it's been talked about a lot throughout the season where it's like, oh, what's going to happen? Is Aaron Rodgers going to come to Pittsburgh and you know all these other guys? And I'm very excited about this offseason, but I'm also terrified because you you hear the, the thought where if you get it wrong with the quarterback, you're setting your franchise back for years. And you know, I'm sure you guys have similar worries when it comes to Mac Jones, where, yeah, he had a really strong start, kind of struggled. You watch the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes battle, and you're kind of like having the same feelings I had about uh, the Steelers with the Patriots. So, oh, yeah, like watching that the Bills Chiefs game, it's like, Jesus, Mac Jones yeah. and, the, and the Patriots team are not even close to those two teams. Yeah, that was, I think it was you last week on, on, on the podcast, Brian, you were saying like watching that is, makes you realize that the Patriots don't have a chance in this division for a while. No, but, but it's (laughs) at the same time, Josh Allen wasn't great. His, his first season. So he wasn't like he is now. So I think that there's Mac Jones to me showed promise. Um, He showed potential. He wasn't, if he plays at this level, yeah, the Patriots are not going to be an elite team. But I think he he's proven that he has a floor. He hasn't proven yeah. that he has a ceiling right. like those right. guys whatsoever. Um, Corey, to, to pivot slightly, just hear me out on this. You and I have never shared fandom in football. Become no. a Jaguars fan with me. Be a Jaguars <laughs> fan with me. Let's do it. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't want to become a Jaguars fan. I don't want to root for yeah, Trevor that's Lawrence. Fair. It's not and that's fun. like it's not fun. Yeah. Oh, right. I mean, yeah. Trevor Lawrence climbs in. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Which like it's it's going to be whatever eventually. Uh, but yeah, I mean uh, the yeah jumping on the Jaguars bandwagon just feels like a a horrible decision on all accounts yeah. and. The one time they were actually good, they almost beat the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. So <laughs> I know. I was scared. Yeah, almost really backfired on you. Uh, anyway, I just hope the Steelers don't go into next year with either Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins at quarterback. I'm undecided on whether I want a low-flyer free agent or use the first-round pick on a quarterback because I think the Steelers have a ton of holes. The offensive line is a huge problem, and until that's addressed, it probably doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. Um, yeah, but yeah, the, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the next few months. The quarterback position for Pittsburgh is definitely fascinating for this offseason because if they got someone like Rodgers or Watson or Wilson or whatever, they're definitely a team that 
could make the playoffs. And I'm not saying win the Super Bowl, but definitely make the playoffs with a quarterback with quarterbacks like those. But if they had Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins, they might as well just tank for the first overall pick. Uh, so it'll de- definitely be fascinating offseason for the Steelers at that position. But another thing I'll say about Ben is that yeah, obviously I'm not really a ben, big a big Ben uh, Roethlisberger fan. But what I will say is that him retiring. Uh, and and obviously, of course, Brady being the the one that hurts the most, and then uh, Rivers and the Mannings, like th- that that Drew era, Brees. yeah, Drew Brees, right? Like that era is kind of basically done. It's now, so, which, I mean, Roger kind of hurts. Roger switch in there, right? Yeah, Roger, he's but, like yeah, Roger's the last that, standing one at this yeah. point. Yeah, in terms of that, like you know, mid to late two thousands crop of quarterbacks, right. And I, um, I totally and so get that, the that idea kinda, that, that hurts. Yeah, it feels that, like our childhood is ending. So. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Regarding the Steelers tanking for the number one overall pick, I would just like to wish them luck at beating my Jaguars to the th- the third the third year in a row of the number one overall pick. It's coming. Yeah. Steelers wait. haven't had a losing season in like 15 years, and all of a sudden they're going to get the number one overall pick just because <laughs> of Mason Rudolph. Like, you know, I, they caps no, yeah, their ceiling, but their floor still somehow feels like it's 500 just given it's the way the, the past Jaguars. few seasons have gone. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone's floor is above the Jaguars. <laughs> There's a couple teams, yeah, but you're right. Uh, all right, anyway, any last thoughts on this? Are we ready to talk actual football that happened this weekend? Let's get into it and... You know, you guys talked about Josh Allen and the Bills, and I have very similar thoughts about Joe Burrow and the Bengals as year two, first ever number one overall pick to advance to the Super Bowl. Uh, Just incredible on his end. Uh, Going up against the Los Angeles Rams, hometown team, Matthew Stafford, an equally great story with him escaping a team like the Jaguars. You say the Jaguars of the NFC, the Detroit Lions. So let's talk about how they got there, and let's start with the AFC Championship game. Bengals beat the Chiefs 27-24 to in overtime, come back from down 21-3, to and yeah, I mean, the Cincinnati team is proving that they are absolutely legit and that they can go toe-to-toe with anybody after being the Chiefs for the second time this season. Yeah, it was definitely, definitely great for Cincinnati. None of us saw that coming. Uh I did. No, not well. None of us saw it coming entering the season. Few sure, of us saw it coming season, sure. entering the the playoffs, and then even going into the championship game, it was one of those where it was less than fifty percent were still. Yeah, I I had the them. I had them in the I took them a little bit more seriously, of course, by the end of the year, and I had them making the AFC championship game, but I didn't I didn't expect them to win, and I, I it, mean, and it was tw- it was twenty one to three. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I certainly had my doubts during the game, but I will say entering entering the playoffs. I don't know that I would have said, oh, yeah, they're going to make the Super Bowl. But I never picked against them in the playoffs. I like I pick them every week. And I was saying from the wild card round that I they might be the best team in the AFC. I you know, it was them, the Bills or the Chiefs. And they're they're going to the Super Bowl. Uh, People thought the people I pick with thought I was crazy when I picked them against the Titans. Uh, They thought I was crazy when I picked them against the Chiefs part through the game. I thought I was crazy for picking them against the Chiefs, but here they are, and it's the year of the Tigers, so here we go. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. I, I heard yep. about that. As today. of today, year of the Tiger. Here we go. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, well, I mean, well, first of all, picking the against the Titans, I mean, I would have I mean, been with you. Yeah. The, the <laughs> I Titans, picked you Tennessee, me, but I fully realized you heard me talk at all about yeah, the Titans yeah, yeah, the past, yeah. like, 
year <laughs> no i mean yeah there's a lot of you could there's a lot of things about the titans game that you could say well if this had happened okay you know if it had been the titans from the beginning of the season if derrick henry had had any any time on the field in the in the months preceding but he didn't they didn't it wasn't the the, the team at the beginning of the season um i had no i had no faith in the in the titans um but i i, I mean i was rooting for the Bengals pretty much all the way through uh, I'm going to continue to root for them at this point. But yeah, I, I had I had faith in them going into every one of their games, at least. Uh, although they they certainly uh, certainly kept me on my toes against the Chiefs. Yeah. I, look, I mean, we can talk about the Bengals for, for uh, a, a bunch, uh, especially Joe Burrow. I'm definitely a big Joe Burrow fan uh, for as long as I can remember now. But uh, this game was all about the Chiefs blowing it. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, because yeah. the, their first drive, they get the Tyreek touchdown and then the next drive, Kelsey, he gets that touchdown. If Mahomes is running around third down and make it 14 to three and then Hardman scores, make it 21 to three. And you're thinking I'm thinking the game's over. <laughs> I, I texted Corey the the yeah, that's all the Looney Tunes. All, uh, yeah, the blah, 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 that's <laughs> all, folks. <laughs> uh, and I thought it was over. And and then, but then all of a sudden, Samaji Piran he gets that touchdown to make it twenty-one ten. It's like, all right, the Bengals, their offense is good enough to score. Like even though we can question other parts of their team, their their offense was too good to just bet, get shut out or or anything like that. So they make it twenty-one to ten, and then uh, arguably this is probably the most important part of the game, where there's five seconds left to end the half or the end of, end of the first half, and. Mahomes drops back and then all of a sudden he throws it to Tyree Kill and he gets tackled and they have no timeouts and and then and then it, it fell apart from there and yeah I mean it three was points just, there you know yeah it was it was just such a careless play by Mahomes to do that because I I think he was fully aware of the situation I mean I don't, I don't he think he was like Brian been. I I don't think he was like Brian Hoyer <laughs> taking right. a sack yeah if you remember that play I think he was fully aware that. They had no timeouts left, but I think he, along with the Chiefs, just did not take the Bengals seriously enough, especially with the way that game was going where they were way ahead and they were basically a front-running team where, like, hey, we're going to roll over this team, we're going to go back to the Super Bowl, and everything's going to be great again. But uh, then all of a sudden, yeah, it, it imploded ever since that play uh, to end the half. It just went downhill for them. And and then Tyreek, he didn't even have a single catch in the second half. And Mahomes was even though Mahomes was only looking towards him and Kelsey in that second half, uh, he didn't have any catches in that second half. And Mahomes was awful in the second half. I've never seen him look as bad as he's I, he's he's been bad this year to his standards. He was yeah. not good in the first half of the season, and he started to pick things up in the second half of the season and then into the playoffs. But that second half for Mahomes was putrid. Well, the the first half of the of the Chiefs season is why I never fully lost hope in the Bengals in this game because the Chief, I mean, every pretty much every team showed cracks this year, and every team always does. But you know, the the Chiefs, they they there were games when they did not look like themselves. Same with the Bills. Like at least everyone in the AFC, all the teams that are supposed to be great, there were games, and it's like how how did this happen? Um, and so I I didn't feel great about my pick of the of the Bengals partway through the game, but I never I never fully gave up. That I, well, that, I, I that think, play at the end of the half was a huge momentum swing. If it, oh, and that was yeah, yeah. absolutely what did it. I mean, you're right, Brian, with them going three drives, three touchdowns, and one thing like yeah, there was five seconds left at the one yard line, but they went 80 yards on seven plays before that. So they yeah. were moving the ball well, and I, 
I, I want to blame Patrick Mahomes for just throwing a ball not to the end zone in that situation because you're right. He absolutely has to know what's going on. But Andy Reid has to take some level no, of blame He has blame to take there. some blame. Yeah. But in a situation like that, let's say I'm the coach and my quarterback wants to he wants to try one more play at a touchdown, uh, and if it doesn't work out, go for the field goal. I would trust Mahomes in that situation. Again, it's not Brian Hoyer or some stiff backup QB who doesn't know what he's doing. It's Mahomes. He's one of the best players in the league. So I, if, I would trust him in that situation. And I'm not saying Reed doesn't deserve any blame. He does. But I think more of the blame go, should go to Mahomes uh, for that situation and the rest of that game than Andy Reid. Yeah, so I, I do think that Mahomes deserves a lot of that blame, but I, I, I don't know if I would fully trust Mahomes because it, it as much as that happened, you're like, what are you doing? Is it all that surprising that Mahomes would think like, oh, I'm going to throw this play to Tyreek three yards in the backfield and he's going to find a way to score a touchdown here because we're the Chiefs and we've been dominating them this entire half that he's not just going to be content with taking a snap and, oh, Kelsey's in open right away. I'm just going to throw it through the goalpost and we'll kick a field goal. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I, I think that as much as the Chiefs have looked vulnerable, as much as he struggled, like that level of cockiness is still there. I mean, how many times did you see him make these incredible looking throws that just end up interceptions early in the season? I think that that's something that was, I don't know what it was with him, uh, but th- that was something that was a big part of him all season. And when it, even when it looked like things were going great in that game, it, it ended up being a huge play right at the end of the half, not getting any points. Yeah, 83 yards, three points, two interceptions on seven drives for the Chiefs in that second half. And yeah, like you said, they got too cocky. And that's just, I, that's a problem I have with the Chiefs, even though they're fun as hell to watch. They have so many players, playmakers on their team. The, there have been a lot of comparisons lately of Brady and Mahomes and the Patriots and the Chiefs and becoming the next big thing, the next big dynasty. And I'll admit, like I, th- I think that sh- those comparisons should definitely be put on pause because the the Chiefs don't have the same uh, same focus level as the Patriots teams had with Brady and Belichick and not getting ahead of themselves and and then uh, just the the Chiefs had four straight it not they've been the four straight AFC championship games and four of them all four of them they've hosted. And all they have to show for it is two Super Bowl appearances and one win. And I mean, look, I'm not saying they haven't accomplished anything. Of course, like that's pretty good. But at the same time, it's like, all right, well, okay, we lost to Brady in that first one in that crazy overtime. And then the second one, of course, they win the Super Bowl. And then the third year, they lost to Brady in the Super Bowl. Like, that's whatever. Like, that's those are Brady, Brady. Yeah. In the Bucks defense, Brady. you know, their offensive yeah. line is bad. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Getting past Brady. It's difficult. So, like, whatever. But losing the Bengals up 18, that's a killer. Well, I, you talk about the whole Brady thing. One Super Bowl in four years is a solid accomplishment for any team. But when you're trying is, to I'm be compared saying, to the Patriots you're trying to, dynasty, to, you're trying to be compared to Tom Brady, yeah, like, that's, exactly. that's not acceptable. And I, I think exactly. 
part of the reason why I was as upset about the whole um, Super Bowl last year, even though Brady won with the Bucs, was beating Patrick Mahomes. And there's all this, oh, Mahomes can catch him. He can be the new GOAT. And it's like, no, that's it. Mahomes is dead. And then this year, when it doesn't even matter anymore, it feels like he still goes out and struggles. And now I, I don't see how the Chiefs can really turn this thing around. Like, I'm sure they'll still have times where they're the favorites. They'll probably still win another Super Bowl. But it feels like their window is closing pretty rapidly as the window starts to open for teams like the Bengals, like the Bills, and, you know, some other teams in the AFC, even within their division. Look at the Chargers with Justin Herbert. Like, the competition is going to be there. And it's crazy to think the Chiefs are going to continue hosting the AFC Championship game every single year. Uh, Yeah, I still expect them to rebound and have winning seasons and and get back to the AFC Championship possibly, uh, AFC Championship game possibly again, but hosting them year after year after year I, I don't know like yeah like you said the windows it's closing a little bit obviously they draft other guys and find other playmakers but at the same time there are other teams that are getting a lot better especially at the quarterback position yeah so uh so the Bengals going to the Super Bowl super unlikely and they're gonna go up against the Los Angeles Rams who went I wanted to say went into San Francisco. It felt like they went into San Francisco. They were playing a home game with a, an away team dominating in the crowd, but they, they come back also in this one down 17-7 going in the fourth quarter, end up winning 20-17. to And there are certainly a lot of things you can talk about in this one, but I think the first thing is they traded multiple first-round picks for Matthew Stafford in addition to Jared Goff going with them with the goal of getting to a Super Bowl, hosting a Super Bowl, and they accomplished that. And now they're one win away of finally getting over the hump and and winning that championship. Yeah, good for the Rams. It definitely Yeah, definitely good for the Rams to make those make the kind of moves that they've made. Like not even just the Stafford trade, but also trading for Jalen Ramsey and, and for multiple first round picks. It show it shows t- other teams in the league that you don't need to just draft well. Like you can be aggressive and and try to overpay for star, real talent, talented players in the league. And you don't just need to draft and save uh, money. You can you can you can uh, yeah be aggressive. So it's definitely good for the Rams and definitely good for Stafford and Cup and others. Uh, so cool to see him back in the Super Bowl. But I think, but at the same time, again, like the last game, I think this has much more to do with the choke job of the other team. <laughs> now, I don't think the Niners choked as bad as the Chiefs, but I think this, I think this again says more about how bad the opponent played at the end of that game than how. No, I'm not saying that the Rams didn't capitalize. Of course they did. They had plenty of third down conversions, and and Cup was amazing as usual. But I think this game has a lot more to do with again how badly the opponent played at the end of that game. And can you think of a worse QB coach combo at the <laughs> you'd want to have at the end of these games than Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan? I can't. It's just especially Kyle Shanahan. Uh I don't know if you guys have seen the stat, but since in his last three playoff losses, and that's dating back to when he was an offensive coordinator with Atlanta in the Super Bowl versus New England. Right. He's been outscored in the fourth quarter fifty three to nothing. That's insane. I did that's, not see that. Yeah, that's 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 perfect because 
because those two, especially Shanahan, just cannot capitalize at the end of these games. And it's just, I think, I think Shanahan deserves. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, of course, definitely deserves blame. Uh, I, I've definitely been critical of him, but at the same time, I think Shanahan deserves more blame than he's getting. Because uh, Jimmy G, it's obvious, but I don't think Shanahan's getting nearly as as much blame as he should because. Because, like I said, fifty being outscored fifty three nothing in those three, yeah, especially for a guy who's viewed as an offensive genius to yeah. just not know how to run an offense at the end. Yeah, of the he, game. it's all about the schemes of Shanahan, but he has no feel for the. It feels like he has no feel for the game late in these gotta have it postseason games in the fourth quarter. Like starting with that Atlanta Super Bowl where. Okay, the Julio gets that amazing catch, and it's like great, the game's over. All I need is to kick a field goal. But then all of a sudden, they're still passing. And then and then they knock him out of field goal range, and then all of a sudden they give the ball back, and then you know the rest of the how how the rest of that game goes, and then they blow the ten point lead versus Kansas City in the Super Bowl, and then this past game on Sunday where they're up by three with ten minutes left to go, and it's fourth and two, and they decide to punt it. Uh, they're past midfield, and it, like your your offense is moving the ball well. You, you you should you should try to go for it if if it's all about your schemes and you can out coach the other. Uh, you should be able to go for that fourth down, and then especially when you have Debo Samuel, you have a great yeah. fullback in Kyle Uzcheck. You have a really solid offensive line. I know Trent Williams was a little banged up, but the, like there's yeah, you reasons got th- to believe that you got they could three have different up two yards there. You got three different types of runners that can pick up two yards. <laughs> you got a your actual starting running back. You got a wide receiver that runs all these. Uh, plays as at running back, and then you got, like you said, use check. Plus Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, in fourth and two, you're probably not going to sneak it there, but he is like he's perfected it just as well as Brady did um, throughout his career. So yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of ridiculous, especially after Sean McVay challenges and wastes a timeout. Absurd oh challenges. My God, that was insane. Ta- talk about talk about two fake two, sharp coaches twice. just trying yeah. to out fake each other. I don't want to say fake yeah, sharp because just... McVay is a good coach and Shanahan is to an extent as well, but. It was just like talk about two guys just out th- trying to outthink the situation there. I know <laughs> you got, it feels yeah, like, like said, McVay, a lot of these young McV- guys are doing that throughout. Oh the yeah, season the, the young now. coaches really want to show that it's all about them, and they are the smartest guys in the room. But but yeah, like McVay, he's trying to make that challenge, which is absurd. He was a lunatic for doing that twice in this game, and then Shanahan with the fourth and two, trying to outfake him by. Uh, not going for it, going for it. Which one? Am I, which one am I going to do? Yeah, it's just that was a whole really weird situation. And it's worth noting that the punt decision there doesn't matter. We're not talking about it. If Jaquasi Tart catches that, catch the ball. That's another thing. Yeah. So I don't oh, want to give Stafford too. I don't want to give Stafford too much credit. I don't want to say he sucked. He was good in this game. He definitely completed a lot of third downs. Like I said, especially to Cup at the end of that game. But at the same time, if Tart catches that ball. We could be talking about Stafford in a much different tone, because that Absolutely. was a horrible it was seventeen throw. fourteen, yeah, terrible throw. There's still what nine minutes left in the game, so there's still opportunities at that point. Who knows if the Niners could have really capitalized on offense there? But right. you're right. I mean, that certainly was he was bailed out, and Jimmy also had plenty of near interceptions before, Again. yeah, ultimately <laughs> being picked off in such a horrible 
Yeah, he was not fashion. good. He was not know, good in play. the postseason at all. And then he, he had his best game, game in this one. 235 yeah, yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. yeah, he threw two touchdowns, one of them being a touchdown that I could have completed because all he had to do was just throw it to Debo immediately, uh, and then he just dodges eight different dudes into the end zone. Um, but yeah, he did have technically his best game in the playoffs, but he still was not very good. And uh, yeah, I mean, at the same time, as critical as I am of Jimmy, at the same time, I feel bad for him because... He he doesn't fit that offense at all. Like because Shanahan, he all he wants to run all these in cuts and just throw in the middle to Kittle, and it's th- that offense does not fit Jimmy whatsoever. And, and and as much as I'm critical of him, I'd like to see him somewhere else because I'd like to think he could succeed elsewhere. And I just think that offense just does not fit Jimmy. And have you ever seen a coach show less confidence in a quarterback than Shanahan does in Jimmy? Like, oh, yeah, we're going to trade three first-round picks. We're going to pick up the next guy. But Jimmy's going to keep the seat warm. I mean, we yeah. still like Jimmy. Of course we do. Like, how can we not like Jimmy? We have all the confidence in the world that he can uh, he can help us win games. You know, we just traded our, <laughs> like, <laughs> our draft, like, our next three first-round picks for a, for his replacement. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there are other examples, but there's no other case of a guy who just got a team to a Super Bowl, who has a winning record, who has had all this success at the team level for a coach to just be like yeah like I can't trust this guy anymore so Kenny I know he's not Tom Brady but you have had a love for Jimmy Garoppolo in similar levels you bought a Super Bowl jersey a few years ago so I'm curious what your thoughts are on his performance his time in San Francisco and I guess you know where where him and the Niners should go from here um I mean honestly I I I kind of agree with you Brian that you you have to show you have to show confidence in your quarterback or move on. I don't think it, I don't think it's right to to you know like like you say have him keep the seat warm because if you're not showing confidence in your in your players, they're going to see that and that's going to affect their play. At the same time, I haven't really grown to have a lot of faith in Jimmy in San Francisco. Um, I heard a lot of people talking before the Rams game about how the 49ers are a bad matchup for the Rams and how they expected, you know, if the, even if the 49ers didn't win, it would be a close game. And, and I, I agree to an extent, historically the Rams have not played well against the 49ers and that that was against them in this game. But seeing, seeing Garoppolo and Shanahan on the other side, I didn't really have any doubt that the Rams were going to win. Um, so I, I guess I guess I don't think it makes sense to stick with him. I mean, I was worried. I wanted I wanted the 49ers to win. I was worried about another Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl if the 49ers did win because I didn't have faith in Garoppolo to do it there either. I just I don't really maybe and it probably factors in that that the team doesn't have the confidence in him. And like I say, that impacts his play and probably makes it makes me see him as worse too but I don't know I think you're right Brian that he doesn't really fit there they don't really fit him I think it's time they both move on and I don't know if anywhere else is going to have a place for Jimmy no um, I, I they should move on yeah and I think they will I, I'm not yeah, sure I mean, they got Trey Lance for a reason yeah like, I, I'm not sure uh where Jimmy would fit best but I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's San Francisco <laughs> well and I don't know he's had he's had kind of a, a turbulent career with with things with the Patriots seemed weird as, as he departed from there, and he looked good though in his few start, well, two starts really, or one well, and a half I, starts with uh, New England, but and all the speculation I mean, there is that is that 
he wanted and that and that the the coaching staff wanted him to play because he was good and then he went to San Francisco and and didn't look as good as I don't maybe it just wasn't as good of a fit I don't I, know. I, coaching is a massive part of it yeah and certainly and I and and what's what the irony of it is that Belichick traded him to San Fran instead of Cleveland because Belichick uh, he gets along with the Shanahan's Mike and Kyle and thinks highly of them and did not think highly, rightfully so, of Hugh Jackson in the Browns <laughs> when the, when the trade rumors of him going to Cleveland were a thing. Uh, but the irony is that Garoppolo has gone backwards since he's been yeah. there. No, and I and I do, it, Corey. You're right. It's not like Brady. It, it's not like Brady at all. But I, pretty much any quarterback that's come through New England, I they hold a special place in my heart. Um, you know, I was happy to see Hoyer back. I don't I don't think Hoyer's good, but I was happy to see him back because. Because he was a, he was a patriot and he and then he became a patriot again, um, so so I would love to see to see Garoppolo succeed. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen with the 49ers. I frankly I don't think it's going to happen anywhere. But I think he has he has a better shot if he can find a new team. So I, I and and I I don't really particularly like Shanahan, but the 49ers as an organization overall, I don't have a problem with them. I'd like to see them do better as well. I'd like to I'd like to see both parties split and 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 grow uh and benefit from not being together i think yeah i think uh, but I, think, I don't know i think lance would uh, i'm not saying he's ready but i think his skill set would fit their offense a lot better than jimmy he and did jimmy, show a lot of promise and limited opportunities but obviously not enough to unseat garoppolo right and then when it comes to jimmy i it sounds like i'm a hater but like i'm not i i, I do like jimmy i just don't like I don't like the fit there. I, I want to see him somewhere yeah. else. I, w- I would have been totally fine if uh, if if Brady actually did decline. I would have been totally fine with him being the next guy. But b- because Brady was still the same great quarterback, it's like, all right, well, I'd rather have Brady over Jimmy. Yeah, so no, I was ex- I was excited for him to replace. Not not excited for him to replace Brady, but I was excited that he was going to be the replacement when Brady left. Clearly, that took too long uh, for for anyone's liking. But no, when he was with New England, I. I wanted to see him be the successor. It was the timeline just didn't work out. And I don't, if it weren't for Mac Jones, maybe the timeline would work out now. I don't know. There were talks last year of Garoppolo coming back, but there were talks about obviously, obviously things played out differently. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I hope he, I hope he can find success. Uh, but I, I don't know. I really don't know what the future holds for him or for, for the the team in terms of success, I think I know what the future holds uh, for the team in terms of who will be playing, and it it's not Jimmy Garoppolo. I just think it would have been funny if they did win that game after everything that happened in the offseason where they trade three first round picks, and all of a sudden yeah. <laughs> Jimmy G actually leads them uh, to the Super Bowl. I love that I told, idea. I, I told this to Corey where if if the Patriots aren't in it, and I, and I guess the Bucks to an extent with Brady. If, if if I don't really have that strong rearing interests, my biggest rearing interests are entertaining games, and I also root for comedy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, and that, so that would have and that would have been good comedy. It. Yeah. it was actually a good comedy either way because it would have been good comedy if Jimmy did uh, lead them to a zero, but. We also got got good comedy at the end with that last throw. I know I was ready to send you um, a bunch of like vomiting emojis, but I was like, (laughs) "Well, we'll talk about it on the podcast." I was like, "What? What was that?" (laughs) And I love how the Rams keep being the beneficiary of these horrible, horrible interceptions. You had the pick six with Carson Wentz in the end zone, the pick six with Kyler Murray in the end zone, and now you had that to clinch their trip to the Super Bowl. So, um, 
I mean, there is a possibility that Jimmy Garoppolo is a quarterback for the Tampa Bay Bucks next year, succeeding Tom Brady. There's also a possibility he's a quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers next year. Uh, I don't know that I want him to be the Steelers quarterback. I definitely don't want the Steelers giving up anything of value and taking on his cap hit for next year. But if he does end up in Pittsburgh, I'll totally find a way to spin that and talk about his winning record and convince myself that he's going to lead the Steelers to the AFC Championship game just like he did with the Niners this year. I think I can safely say if he ends up on the Bucks, uh, my dad and I will have matching Jimmy Garoppolo Buccaneers jerseys. My I I I love Jimmy Garoppolo. My dad loves Jimmy Garoppolo. Like he, really, I yeah, would not I have expected that. Yeah, it, it it when he was with the Patriots, my dad and I do this thing, especially when we're at the games of. Uh, really talking up the backup quarterbacks uh, at any chance we get, and we really leaned into that. There was a there was a game at the end of uh, at the end of a season where Garoppolo started, and we were really just talking the ears off the people around us about how great he was. And there was like a run play, and we were like, "Oh yeah, that was a good that was a good run." But what a great handoff, and really just being insufferable <laughs> to the people around us. And I think I I think my dad just really leaned into that, and and he he still loves Jimmy. He really really does love Jimmy Garoppolo. So. I think nice. if he goes to the Bucks, then uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna continue to be a, a Patriots Bucks family. I remember you telling that story. That was so yeah. funny. <laughs> uh, we, right. we had some good times. Yeah. So let's let's look ahead to Super Bowl Fifty Six in Los Angeles. The Rams will be hosting second straight year where a team will be playing in their home stadium. Oddly enough, the Rams are the designated away team because it's the AFC's turn to host this year. So. Let's just kind of get into, you know, preview and predictions of this one. Sean McVay versus Zach Taylor. The last time the Rams were in the Super Bowl, Zach Taylor was on Sean McVay's coaching staff. That's kind of a fun story. You have a little bit of an LSU connection with Joe Burrow going up against Odell. Of course, two former number one picks, Joe Burrow, Matt Stafford. It's the way these teams are built. You talked about with the Rams just going all in, trading first round picks, signing guys in free agency. Well, the Bengals did add some defensive players in free agency. They built their offense through the draft Yeah, the- first, second round picks. The Rams making it gives teams hope that you don't need to, like I said, uh, draft and you, you don't need to bottom aggressive. out. You don't need to tank. You know, yeah, you can be aggressive and and to get star players. Well, it's the opposite with the Bengals, where you, even if your team is kind of hopeless, if you if you find the guy, if you find the right guy at the quarterback position. And yeah, the Bengals the right pieces around him. They lucked out, like let's be honest, Uh getting the number one overall pick and getting him. But at the same time, they also made the right decision by picking Chase over Penny Sewell, which was a big debate. So it gives it gives teams like uh, small market teams even. well, I guess outside of the Lions, <laughs> since uh, Matt the Stafford is in the Super Bowl, <laughs> but uh, I, I guess outside of them, it gives uh, teams hope that if they can find the guy, then they have a chance. Yeah, it's funny how I convince myself that Matthew Stafford was like the worst quarterback you could have in the NFL because he was good enough to get paid a huge contract, but not good enough to lead a broken team around him to success. Because I thought that his cap hit was the reason why the Lions were so bad around him that they couldn't afford guys. And now look at the Rams. Salary cap is a myth. It doesn't matter. Like they have all these star players. It's just the Lions are an incompetent organization that can't figure out how to build a team around a star quarterback. So um, I guess with that, let's get to our predictions for this one. So Kenny will well, go ahead. Oh, do you well, have more to say? Gonna, yeah. Well, one thing I want to mention is it's actually a question for you guys. Do you care about the. Do you care about these teams? Because like no, nobody, 
Do you care I about do. this matchup? Because I, I feel like nobody really cares about these teams. It feels like a lot like the Suns and the Bucks uh, in the NBA Finals, where it's like, me, yeah, me guys like me and Corey, like hardcore sports fans, like we're gonna watch, of course. But like, I mean, I don't know if like the ratings were as good as other years when like teams like the Lakers or whatever are in it. But I was just wondering, like, do you guys? It is like a this unique Super Bowl matchup between, like, yeah. you know, you have an LA team. I think that helps, but of course, it's not Brady. Yeah, but the LA is like. You, I know you saw it's, the it's fans. not a great sports sound. You're right. The, I know. There were more. There were arguably more Niners fans in, in that stadium. I heard 65 percent uh, going into it. I don't know what the official number was, but there was a lot of red in that stadium. Yeah, a- and mean, in Week 18, and they were pumping in crowd noise. In I that, went. In that stadium. I went to Jacksonville, Florida, and saw the Jaguars and this the crowd. Uh, granted, it's the Jaguars, but the crowd was mostly 49ers fans. Like they they travel. So they, uh, that is that's part of it. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, the, the right. Rams are a Super Bowl team and they can't get any fans yeah. in the stadium and i will say i'm excited that while i do have somewhat of a rooting interest in this one i'm glad that it's two teams where if one of them wins like it's not the end of the world or it's not like you know pure emotion all this stuff i'm just glad to watch a game and for yeah, the most like, part not really care about the outcome like i definitely have a rooting interest i'm definitely rooting for the Bengals. Uh, definitely being a Burrow fan, but it'd just be funny, <laughs> like the for the Rams to spend all that, spend as much as they had to to, and then just to lose in the Super Bowl to the Bengals. That'd be for, that'd be pretty funny. Uh, I definitely don't care as much as if it were you know the Patriots or the, or the Bucks or right <laughs> or somehow the Jaguars. But uh, I I I've I've talked about this with Corey certainly plenty of times. I understand being happy that your team is beaten by the one that wins it all as a silver lining. I understand, you know, being like, Oh yeah, my team lost to the Rams, but it, but at least they won it all. At least we lost to the best team silver lining. Okay. But I could never root for the team that knocked out my team. And, and I consider the bucks one of my teams. Uh, I can't root for the Rams. They, 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 they ended Brady's career. So I will not, I will absolutely be rooting for the Bengals. I do care. You know, if the Rams win, whatever, it's not like, it's not like the Patriots or the Bucks lost. Yeah, but, exactly. But yeah, no, I, I am, I very much do it's, not want to see the Rams It's not win. the end of the world, but, sure, right. but you but do it have upset a, me. Yeah, you can I, have a rooting interest I also, to an extent. Corey brought up my, uh, my shameful Jimmy Garoppolo Super Bowl jersey, which I think might just be my dad's now. He wears it a lot. Um, also worth noting that it didn't show up until after the game. Right. So I tried two years ago to start this tradition of when a Super Bowl, when there was a Super Bowl with two teams that I didn't already root for uh, or who I didn't have a jersey for, I was going to start ordering a Super Bowl jersey to wear on the day of the game. And I, it's, it's, it still to me sounds like a fun tradition. The Super Bowl jersey didn't show up until after the game. I was very annoyed because then it's like, okay, I have this jersey from the losing team. It was immediately worthless. So then last year I tried again. And it, and it was the Bucks. I already had a Bucks jersey, but I was like, you know, I, I, I really like this team. I don't have a Gronk jersey at all. I have a Patriot, a Brady Patriots and a Brady Buccaneers jersey. Ordered a Gronk Super Bowl jersey. Made sure I selected expedited shipping. It showed up after the Super Bowl. At least it's a winning Super Bowl jersey. So this year, because so this year I was, I knew if the Bengals won and the 49ers won, I was going to root for the 49ers. But the Bengals game was first, so I had to wait. Because if the if the Rams won, I was going to root for the Bengals. So after the second game on on Sunday, I went to try to order a Bengals Super Bowl jersey, and they were all sold out because apparently everyone bought them after the Bengals won, which I guess. But so then I I saw a little notice on the page, and it said, um, 
due to high demand for patch jerseys, they won't be shipped till after the Super Bowl. And maybe that disclaimer was there every year, but but you either you either send these things up before the Super Bowl or you or you don't put them up for sale until after because you, one of these teams is going to lose and the jerseys are worthless. So I don't I don't know like I get why they're doing it because they're making money, but it's insane to me that they can do because I only want it before the game because I don't know if the yeah, team's I mean it's win. not quite the same as having like a you know Cincinnati Bengals Super Bowl champion t-shirt sure, if they didn't right. win but you're right having the patch of oh you lost that game like oh you're just happy to be there is kind of the way that it would look like versus getting it after the win so right For it is it is teams. weird I mean I get it like shipping demands and stuff especially no, everything I, in the I understand right but now, I think but. that they maybe they did make it more clear this year because I did see it but I think it should be made more clear in general anyway I didn't order a Super Bowl jersey this year so I at least don't have to worry about that uh, I've given up on my tradition. You do have I, the Blake Bortles Rams sweatshirt if you want to change your mind. <laughs> I, I, but I, I don't want to root for the Rams though, unfortunately. So but okay, I, I guess that. I am definitely rooting for the Rams. Of course, rooting against the Bengals. Yeah, I don't want to see the Bengals win. I don't want to see, especially in year two of Joe Burrow when they have all this time ahead left to still be a great football team. But I don't know. I mean, like trying to come up with a comparison. To me, it would be kind of like the Tampa Bay Rays winning the World Series, where it's like, do I want them to win? No, you know, they're a rival of a team. The Ram- the Rays, you have the added Chris Archer thing. Um, but when it comes down to it, there are so many other teams I would much like rather, I would much not want to see win than yeah. the Bengals. So even within the AFC I, North, like I, they're probably the team I like. I definitely I don't want the Browns to win, and I probably wouldn't want the Ravens. So yeah, I feel that about both teams to an extent, where it's like. Okay, like yes, do I have a rooting interest? Like, yeah, I'm rooting for the Bengals, but it's like I don't hate the Rams. Like, I can I can come up with the reasons why I don't care for them, and uh, but I don't like hate the Rams or whatsoever. The, the, the Patriots beat them twice in the Super Bowl, <laughs> so right. since what what since the Rams have moved back to L.A., I've kind of liked the Rams, and I don't like the AFC North. Like in a vacuum, I like the Rams more than the Bengals, just not for this matchup. This matchup, I'm absolutely rooting for the Bengals. No and I question. think a lot of people are rooting for Joe Burrow. It's like everyone's right. either yeah, rooting yeah, yeah. for Joe Burrow or Matt Stafford. They're not just like rooting for one team <laughs> yeah, or the other. It's just whichever quarterback <laughs> story you gravitate to. So, and again, like Matt Stafford winning a Super Bowl in LA, I think would be really cool. So, no, and I like Matt Stafford. I all just, that being said, we know who we're all rooting for. I guess, what do right. we actually expect to happen in this game? Who, who do you want me to go first? Uh, I'll or? let Kenny start as a guest. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, I. There have been several times throughout the playoffs when I have questioned uh, my my willingness to stick with the Bengals, but I've stuck with them this whole time. I picked them every game, uh, even when I was was questioning myself a little bit. And I I still think that they I think that this game could easily go either way, uh, which 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 leads me to want to pick the Bengals. But I also think ultimately in my heart I think they're going to win. Uh, are we doing score predictions? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I've written down uh, 31 to 24 Bengals. Uh, I think it's a pretty generic score, but uh, I think the Bengals pull it out. And I think, uh, I don't know, I think I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I think a, a one a one touchdown game. And um, yeah, and, that, and that's, what, that's what I'm hoping. And that's what I'm expecting. It's the year of the Tiger. And, uh, I think we really, I think they, I think they need to be capitalizing on that. I don't know if they are. All right, I'm going to go, so like I said, I'm rooting for the Bengals, but I'm going to take the Rams, and I'll say 27-23. Uh, I think 
I think the Rams are just a much better team than Cincinnati, basically across the board and coaching-wise. So I think the Rams should win this game. And especially when you compare the Bengals' offensive line to the Rams' defensive line, the the Bengals gave up nine sacks to the Titans. I I can only imagine how bad it'll be versus Aaron Donald and the Rams. That's that's a scary thought to think about. And I know they only gave up one sack versus the Chiefs, and I know the Chiefs aren't the greatest, but uh, there were a lot of times in that game where Burrow had to escape uh, he made to some make, great to make plays. Play. Like he made some great down. plays. I know he yeah. doesn't have the exactly the best mobility like Josh Allen or Mahomes or whatever, but he had to escape a lot of times to make some plays in that game. And so the the matchup between their their O line versus the Rams D line definitely scares me. And I just think like I said, I think the Rams are just better everywhere across the board. But the one thing that I will say that would give me some hope uh for the Bengals win this game is the quarterback matchup. Like obviously, I yeah. think very, very highly of Joe Burrow, and I think that he has what it takes to win big games and a game like this. And then when it comes to Matthew Stafford, he was great versus the Bucks, but and I don't want and again he wasn't bad versus the Niners, but there were multiple times in that game where he could have blown it. And basically, what I'm trying to say is I still I don't want to say I have no faith in Stafford, but I. I don't have a hundred percent faith in Stafford, uh, like not, uh, not blowing it is what I'm basically I'm trying to say. And so no, it's, it's, that'd be the one reason why the I think that's the one thing where I could see the Bengals winning this game is uh, Burrow uh, having performing like he's had in big games and Stafford not. That's I mean, it sounds crazy I, to say, given that Joe Burrow's in his second year and Stafford's been, what, 12, 13 years in the league. But yeah. I agree. My gut trusts Burrow more than Stafford in yeah. that big game moment. Mm-hmm. That being said, yeah, my head's telling me the Rams. You look at the defensive line versus the offensive line, you know, the battle of the trenches. The Rams have a lot more playmakers on defense it feels like even on offense like it it i don't know if it's like totally across the board like it does feel like there are a lot of places where yeah, maybe it like close maybe like even. wide receiver maybe the Bengals. i mean like well cup is obviously but, the best yeah cooper one. cup but, and odell but the, like the neck you see odell like i'm i i'm definitely an odell hater but what i will say is though ever since he's been with la he's been awesome he, with the rams yes like and he hasn't he, been he a pain in the ass or anything he's been yeah he, he's stepped mm-hmm. up in the playoffs so like as much as i want to hate on him because i've been an odell hater uh, ever since he's been in the league, he's been he's been good with the Rams. Like I'll, I will give him that. Yeah. So my prediction is Rams thirty three, Bengals twenty three, with L A scoring going That's away. A really unique score. <laughs> I know. I wanted to go unique score. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can absolutely see the Bengals winning this game, and if they do, I'm totally fine with Joe Burrow hoisting the Labarni Trophy as long as he doesn't turn around and hand it to Vontez Perfect, because that's the the only reason why I would hate the Bengals is if he somehow gets part of the celebration. Uh, but again, th- this isn't the same Bengals team of like five, six years ago, which does make them harder to root against. I I still don't agree with Steelers fans rooting for them per se, but I I understand uh, that they're not not the hating them as much as they used to. Yeah, for sure. Right. So um, and I guess so. One last thought on the Super Bowl before we wrap this up. So this is actually something that came to me in my dream last night. Oh uh, I've never dreamed a take before, but it was, uh, I, I think I have to share it in my dream. People shot it down as ridiculous, but I, I mean, I'm curious what you guys think. So it, before the 2020 season, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers signed veteran quarterback, Tom Brady moved on from former one number, former number one overall pick, Jameis Winston. 
and they ended up playing in a Super Bowl in their home stadium. This past offseason, the Rams move on from former number one overall pick Jared Goff. They trade for Matthew Stafford, and now they're about to play a Super Bowl in their home stadium. Next year, the Super Bowl, next year, the Super Bowl is in Glendale. The Cardinals had a tough end of the season. Things started out strong. I know Kyler Murray was in the MVP conversation, but he got hurt. Clearly wasn't the same. They lose in a wild card round, a game when the internet is posting pics of Kyler Murray in athletics jersey. You know, if the, the Cardinals are on the hot seat right now, um, at least in terms of general manager Steve Kime, head coach Cliff Kingsbury, they want to turn around and start winning. Would it be all that crazy for them to go and trade for Aaron Rodgers and try to see if he's the, the missing piece for this team? Yes. <laughs> no, I don't think that's crazy. I don't think that's I mean, crazy. Like, yeah, Kyler Murray, you could say he's probably better than those other two guys, but has he really accomplished a ton? I don't know. I think it would be interesting. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but if they want to see that trend, you know, things happen in threes. I mean, Kyler, Kyler is... He's he's not bad. Like he was bad in that Rams game, but I think he's shown that he's a talented quarterback and he's got some good skill. He hasn't proven that he's an elite. And yeah, but he hasn't proven that he's an elite quarterback whatsoever. He's definitely not in that class of of like Mahomes, Mahomes, Allen, or Burrow, or whoever else I'm missing. And Aaron Rodgers, yeah. And so. Just want to throw it I, think, out there. I, think I don't think stu- it's going to happen, stu- but if it yeah, does, like, like, come back to this. <laughs> I, I do quick note. Uh, it's it's insane to me that, if, uh, unless I'm incorrect in remembering this, uh, never before last year did anyone play a Super Bowl in their home stadium. And that's two years in a row. Yep, two years uh, in a row. I'm just. I'm, I'm glad Brady. I'm glad Brady won it first. I'm glad no one can take that. I'm glad Matthew Stafford can't take that. I'm just glad. That's all. But it's crazy that it happened two years in a row. It is. After oh, yeah. never happening. Uh-huh. To continue my point, though, Kyler Murray is not in the same class as Jared Goff and Jameis Winston. He's right. He's never been to a those. Super Bowl. <laughs> 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 All right. Let's talk about NFL head coach hirings now. And uh, so before we get too far into this, I think it's worth mentioning that uh, a couple hours before we started recording, there was news broken uh, bombshell report that Brian Flores is suing the NFL over allegations of racism, talking about the New York Giants most recently, basically not, uh, you know, just interviewing him to satisfy the Rooney rule with no intention of hiring him. Bill Belichick reportedly texting him congratulations on the job with the Giants before even interviewing when he meant to send it to Brian Dable, who I guess the Giants had already said, he's our guy. We're just going to keep interviewing guys for the Rooney rule. He alleged that uh, the Broncos had a similar practice when they were hiring Fick Fangio a couple years ago. Uh, John Elway, CEO Joe Ellis showed up to the interview an hour late, clearly hung over, didn't take it seriously. And then of course the most damning news is against Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, where Apparently, after being hired, he was willing to pay Brian Flores $100,000 to lose games, You know, completely bringing into questions the integrity of uh, that team in the league. So that is something that's going to be weighing over the head coach hirings in this cycle. It's pretty fresh, so I, I don't know if you guys have a ton of takes you've been able to, to develop in these past couple weeks. Obviously, it's uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of development in the coming days and weeks and months and years even. Yeah, I've always tried to deny that 
racism was a big factor in head coaching hires. I've always just thought it was a coincidence that that African American coaches haven't gotten as many jobs as uh, that should have been. But I don't know. Just seeing this, it's like, all right, you know what? Maybe there is a issue with when it comes to African Americans getting head coaching jobs, especially since. Brian Flores and other guys should be head coaches. Like it's not even just Brian Flores. Like him, Eric Bieniemy, uh, Todd Bowles, Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator. The, like there are, there's there are like a half dozen African Americans that should either be head coaches or at least be much more in the running. And and so, it's, it's Tomlin's the only one that's. A, that's Mike a Tomlin coach. is the only one. He's right the only one. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and. So for that to be the case, that is a little disappointing. And then seeing all this with Flores right now, that that makes it even more disappointing. And so, so basically, what I'm trying to say is, I've always thought that people have overreacted when it comes to the race factor. Um, but when you see s- stuff like this, and before Joe Judge got fired, <laughs> Brian Flores was fired. At one point, Brian Flores was fired, and Joe Judge wasn't. It's just like there's too much evidence that it is an issue than it than race not being an issue because it, it, it definitely is now. Yeah, I mean, I think I think when you're looking at anything like this, uh coincidences are you should you should look at coincidences uh you should scrutinize them because you know, I th- I think uh African Americans make up about 12% of the population, which uh I am just running numbers in my head. I think it would be around 4 head coaches as opposed to one, which is like a difference of three, but then you look at it and it's like, I think one out of 32 is somewhere around 3%. It's not representative. And I think, you know, people, people had varying opinions about Colin Kaepernick having a a similar discussion years ago about not being taken, uh, not being considered seriously because of his race. People, I think have, I think people had kind of preconceptions uh, about Colin Kaepernick anyway. And so people might've taken him less seriously because of that to begin with, but it's kind of hard to look at one without the other and say, okay, well, if, if this is going on here, if, if people say this is going on here and over here, maybe there's something we need to look into. Um, and I certainly, I, I think it's worth, I think it's worth investigating certainly. Uh, and if there's nothing there, there's nothing there, but yeah, Mike Tomlin being the only African-American head coach across the league when they're, like you say, they're clear, qualified individuals. Uh, and then we have we have other people who are probably not super qualified in the league. And it, yeah, it, it certainly, I think it's worth questioning. I think it's worth looking into. Yeah, I mean, when, when Tomlin was the only one left after the Dolphins fired Brian Flores and the Texans fired David Culley, which were both scrutinized for various reasons, probably deservedly, my thought was, well, there's nine head coach openings or whatever it ended up being. I think it's up to nine now. And there are so many qualified African-American candidates, like you were saying, that it felt like so many of these roles can be filled. And to this point, none have been hired. It's it's right. always been just a bunch of different white guys, some getting their first opportunities and in some cases, someone getting a second chance. So, uh, I, I mean, there's still time. I think half the jobs are still open, but it is starting to uh, really come into question. And I think that, you know, one statistic you overlooked is that 70% of the league is black. So 
you know, why are there so many black players, but there aren't any black coaches? I think that is a fair thing to say. And it it is kind of frustrating. You bring in the Rooney rule with the idea of giving opportunities for coaches, but teams are just looking at, it feels like it's just a hassle. Like, oh, we just got to check some boxes. And that's kind of what you look at with this whole Brian Flores situation. It's true that Bill Belichick actually knew three days before Flores was being interviewed that the Giants already hired a guy and that this interview didn't matter. Well, and, or even with the, the case of the Broncos, and yeah, that kind of just adds more scrutiny to this rule and like the way that uh, it's it's being handled. Yeah, and I mean, you're right. I was comparing it to statistics of the American public, which is not representative of the NFL at all. Um, but I, I don't know exactly how it played out. I didn't keep up with the news stories, but Byron Leftwich, I think, was Byron. being talked about yeah. for the Jags. That's and what I, was just I, I think that's Byron. happening now. People were reporting him as being hired, and then it right. sounded like there was a holdup that the Jaguars were going to choose their GM Trent Baalke over him, and that they were interviewing other candidates. Still, you know, how much of that was? I think up, they. You know? I think that they said they weren't meeting with Byron Leftwich now. So I don't even. I think that that is has fallen through. It sounds like again, I haven't kept up with it closely, but it it really calls into question a lot. And I mean, you. You look at just like I say the history. You look at Colin Kaepernick, and you just look at the 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 fan base's reaction to all of that uh, to, in regards to African American players and and other players standing with them, just kind of speaking out about injustice. And the fan base hates it, and that's obviously a separate issue. But it's something that the NFL knows about. They know that ratings go down when when players start to talk about inequality, you know, I don't know. I think there's definitely something to, to look into here. And if, if there's nothing there, then there's, there's no harm in looking into it. Yeah. I I don't really know what to make of this lawsuit in terms of what it'll be able to prove out. I mean, like I said, I think the most damning piece is about Steven Ross, which wasn't about a bad hiring practice is, well, I guess in some ways it was this is idea that he was going to openly tank and that Flores wasn't about that for obvious reasons. And that kind of led to, the the souring of him and him being pushed out after this yeah, that's season the, that's so. the worst one of all the things that are being reported yep so yeah certainly going to be more that comes out of that uh that being said let's talk about the hirings that have happened and let's start with brian dable to the giants i personally think this is a great hire i think brian dable showed a lot uh both in, in new england in the past and more recently as the bill's offensive coordinator what he did with josh allen is great i'm really interested to see if he can fix daniel jones uh, I was I I like the idea of him going to Miami with Tua, so we'll see what happens in New York. Uh, in a situation that you know a lot can certainly happen, there have been Russell Wilson connections and stuff, but uh, he does have a, a young quarterback who is drafted highly, despite some flaws. Uh, you know, we'll see if he can work his magic there. Yeah, I mean, I was never a I I, I hated the Joe Judge hire from the start, uh, even before he even coached a game. But when it comes to Brian Dayball hire, I, yeah, I, I can see it working out because he definitely played a part in Josh Allen's development from when he started out as a rookie and wasn't the greatest to like now he's terrific and one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And so I, I don't want to say that's like all on Dayball or anything like that, but I'd like to think that he's played a part in his success. And Daniel Jones, he's not built like Josh Allen, but there's similarities to their games where they're both uh they keep <laughs> I mean if you look at uh Josh Allen uh early in his career in the NFL like he wasn't the greatest pocket passer and he uh I don't know was yeah like he 
yeah, he was very he was turnover prone and yeah, wasn't the greatest pocket passer. And Daniel Jones is kind of like that where he's just too turnover prone. But there's physical skill there. Now he's not built like Josh Allen, but he's fast and and he, he he's shown skill uh, even though he's not a great quarterback. There is some hope that Daniel Jones can turn it around uh, with Dayball as the head coach. I don't really have a, a strong opinion or much to say uh, about Dable other than did you guys see someone put his his beard on top of his head and his bald head on his on his chin? <laughs> no, here it is. <laughs> oh man, that's all I got. That's all I really got yeah. here. It's bad audio, but uh, I thought it was quite funny when I saw it. Yeah. Now I, I did see the video of him pulling up to work uh, at the Giants facility in his his blue Chevy, wearing a suit, looking uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, so now I mean it, it's, no, this will be thing, an interesting one. Another thing because, with Dayball is he's also from the New York area, right? Or um, oh, is he? Yeah, like, is I, he I don't, New York I, City guy. I think it was. Let me see. He went well, to. He's, he he's went actually to, moving out of New York with this move. He's but, going. That's to New true. Jersey he's now. going to New Jersey, yeah. right? Yeah, leaving New York for New Jersey. Yeah. yeah. Well, he went to high school in New York, and he went to college in Rochester, and so he's had. That's more of a Buffalo connection, I guess. But yeah, uh, I mean, that, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's interesting to see how he'll do there because you know the Giants have been a mess for a long time. They had like one of the the worst records in football over the past few years. So it's it's certainly a tough job for anyone to come into. But his track record recently in Buffalo gives you some reason for hope there. Uh, another interesting hire the broncos hiring nathaniel hackett the packers offensive coordinator aaron Rodgers has been linked to denver a lot you know is this just gonna pick things up as oh maybe this is where he's gonna end up yeah this is obviously a move just to try to get rogers uh, i mean uh getting uh, nathaniel hackett as their head coach that's really that's really all i have to say <laughs> it's, it's clearly obvious that they're trying to get rogers and they've needed a quarterback I've said that plenty of times that even though Denver has some upside, it's all about the quarterback though. Cause they, if they don't have the quarterback with Bridgewater and drew Locke leading their QB depth chart, they're not going to go anywhere. So it's clear a move to get Rogers. I don't know. I don't really have any reason to feel this way other than maybe because of Peyton Manning, but I just don't see Rogers going to Denver. I don't, it's silly to be like, Oh, well Peyton, you know, Peyton has a connection with Denver. So I don't know. Cause they're, it would it would feel equally weird if Rodgers went to Tampa Bay. You know what I mean? Because it's like I feel like the the these quarterbacks from the era that we were talking about earlier, uh, I I feel like the, it, it's weird to have them overlap. So I don't really have any. I'm not. To yeah, say he won't end up in Denver, but I yeah, don't I'm see not. It happening. I'm not saying it's going to work. Oh I'm just no, 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 that's no. It's definitely to do. it's that it's the intention, but I don't. Yeah. I don't see it happening, but it it could. Like you say, Denver has some upside. I, potentially, Rodgers could help them out there. I don't but know. Also I mean, I, division, I felt like they're a quarterback away for a while. But. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. But being being in a division with Mahomes and Herbert, and potentially right. somebody else in Las Vegas, uh, could be a problem, though. Yeah, and uh, hey, let's talk about Las Vegas. They uh, hired the Patriots de facto GM Dave Ziegler and offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels, getting a second opportunity after being the coach of the Broncos a decade ago. You guys disappointed to move on from McDaniel's? Excited? I think that there's a, a lot of back and forth in how Patriots fans view him these days. I think it's a little bit of both because losing him and uh, yeah, losing losing Josh McDaniel's kind of hurts Mac Jones' development because now whoever is the new offensive coordinator, they have to get up to speed with 
with with uh, Mac Jones and Mac Jones has to learn new things with not having McDaniel. So it hurts in that aspect a little bit. But at the same time, people have said, well, McDaniel's play calling has been stale and, and he's overrated. And I don't want to – I can't really fight that. Like, I mean, we saw him in Denver and it being a disaster there. And he's been the offensive coordinator for so long now. And, and who knows how big of a role he's had in these Super Bowls. Like, was it – does he play a big part of it or is it really just having Brady? I, I don't know. Right. Like – it's hard. I, I can see it either way, um, hurting or helping Raider, the Raiders or Patriots in ways. Well, it's tough because I see people criticizing, like in years past, I've seen people criticizing McDaniels all season long, and then the Patriots go and win the Super Bowl. You know, a lot of times, a lot of times the, well, not a lot, sometimes the other team collapses, but but a lot of times it's the Patriots offense doing stuff and people are like, oh yeah, all you McDaniels haters, what do you think now? I think that, I don't know. I think that ultimately it's probably somewhere in the middle where the people who are like, oh yeah, see McDaniels is a genius are not right. And the people who say McDaniels is terrible are not right. Um, I think that he's proven himself more as an offensive coordinator than a head coach, certainly. Um, but while I think what you're saying makes sense, Brian, and that it probably is worse that he's leaving with Mac Jones here than it than if Brady had still been here, um, I feel less bad about him going without Brady here because it's something I don't know I think that he and Brady worked well together I I do think his play calling has gotten kind of stale there are times I'm I'm not I follow football but I'm not particularly smart about football in terms of like play calling and all that but I still watch the Patriots games and I know what's going to happen because it's McDaniels making the calls and if I know what's going to happen everyone knows it's going to happen uh and so there, I there think, were games this year where we would see plays that we would be thinking to ourselves saying to ourselves like what the heck were they thinking yeah (laughs) and so and i'm not i'm not like oh finally we're moving on from mcdaniels or oh i'm so glad to see him go but i'm ready to move on i'm you know i wish him the best i don't really have anything against the vegas raiders they've they've gotten rid of the the problems i had with them um so so i wish him the best but i frankly don't have high hopes for him and and i hope the patriots can can move on from him uh with with some amount of uh competence and 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 we'll see i guess i don't yeah. I haven't I, heard I, anything I, I about it's a pretty opinion. obvious yeah. name to replace him at offensive uh, Bill coordinator O'Brien. down in tuscaloosa yeah. yeah he was with he was in tuscaloosa with mac jones as the offensive coordinator there have been reports that mac jones has held out bill o'brien which doesn't give me a lot of hope <laughs> my what I, what I will say about bill o'brien is that he is the worst gm in the history of the game but as an offensive coordinator, I'm sure he, I'm sure he's a fine option. Yeah, I, I mean, I he was mind. kind of running the show when they were really good in like the Brady Moss era, right? Yeah, I think. So. I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah I believe so. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I'm, I think it'd be a fine option as an offensive coordinator. Just never make him a GM ever again, though. <laughs> that's 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 all I say about. Yeah, me. I mean, in in New England, he probably wouldn't become a GM. No. Uh, but uh, and I guess. Uh, Mark Davis did say during Josh McDaniel's introductory press conference that the first thing or one of the first things he said to him when he passed him in the hallway was that was a fumble. So uh, (laughs) he's warming himself up to Raiders nation pretty quickly. My parents regarding the Patriots opening, my parents have a conspiracy theory going that it's going to be Brady, uh, as the new offensive coordinator, which is insane. That's not going to uh, happen. There's no I don't way. think they actually, I don't think they even actually believe it, but they're, they're saying it. And they've been saying it since Saturday when 
frankly, I was ready to come on this podcast before today and blast Corey for saying that Brady officially retired because he didn't. And, uh, you know, now yeah, we are I and... literally updated the outline to say that oh, he really? didn't retire. I never and then I saw. looked at my phone and had a notification saying he did officially retire. Yeah, yeah, no, I was ready <laughs> so to I blast him. But yeah. Right back. Yeah. My, my parents think he's going to be, the, or they're saying it. I don't think they actually think it because that's insane. <laughs> but yeah, Brady yeah. would never be a coach. There's so many no. Steelers never. fans who think never... Big Ben is going to be the Steelers office coordinator. That's never going to happen. Like, and, same thing and, Brady. He's if not it, gonna retire if it to were coach. right if it were to ever happen it wouldn't be the year after they retire you know no no so, definitely uh, not. yeah that's why you know if the money ever becomes an issue he, but i don't think Brady he could, he could be an, yeah he could be an owner if no. he had the money yeah right Brady that's, can get rid of all be, of his money he's got yeah. giselle as long as he doesn't lose giselle he's fine <laughs> uh so uh, another interesting hiring series in terms of gm and head coach the bears move on from Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and replace them with Ryan Poles and Matt Everflus. How confident are you guys that Matt and Ryan 2.0 is going to be better than the first iteration? Anything with Matt and Ryan doesn't work. It doesn't <laughs> Sorry, work. For Ryan coaching. and Matt. Ryan and Matt. <laughs> well, it doesn't work for coaching. It doesn't work for GM. It doesn't work for the quarterback position, clearly, too. Uh, but I, I I have no idea. <laughs> I, can't, it couldn't yeah, have, I don't. It couldn't, I don't have any. And I think it's another crazy coincidence. It, I mean, it's, it's not really a coincidence, I guess, but it is. It is, I don't know it is if, a coincidence. Yeah, I'm I, sure that they didn't say we're going to hire two guys' names who are the exact same as the two guys we just fired. Consciously, yeah, I, no. Yeah, I'm, I'll admit, <laughs> I, I have nothing to say about those two guys. I'll just say that it's addition by subtraction, not having... Matt in theory, in yeah. Pace. In there. theory, it's, I was it's, very it's critical of those guys. For now. Yeah, <laughs> that, it is. The Bears are a very, very awful organization. So I don't know if I have a ton of confidence in them, but um, I'm interested to see you know what these guys can do with. I mean, I'd say what they do with Justin Fields. Matt Eberflus is a defensive coach, so they're going to need to bring in an OC. I know there is some criticism about them hiring a defensive guy instead of someone who could work with their young quarterback. The only the only thing I really have to add is that I really wanted to like Matt Nagy because, uh, I mean, it's it's a silly it's a silly connection. But I uh, studied abroad in in Hungary and he is Hungarian. His name is Hungarian. He's of Hungarian descent. Uh, Nagy is not how Hungarians pronounce that. I will not attempt a hun- oh. Hungarian pronunciation of his last name. So that always bothered me. But that's literally the only contribution I have. I, I wanted to like him, <laughs> okay. but he's not good. And he was he was uh, coaching the Bears. So. Didn't really have the opportunity to root for him, so I don't, you know, maybe in the future. Yeah, Corey yeah maybe he'll be that. the new Patriots Cor- OC. Hey, I, you know what? Come aboard. Why not? Yeah, Corey, Tank us. Corey was on the Matt Nagy hate train before I was, and I and vice versa with the the GM Ryan Pace. But as time went on, I was like, yeah, this guy sucks as a coach. <laughs> yeah, get rid of him. I want to yeah. like him. I do. Uh, and then the the last thing to talk about, while he hasn't been hired yet, Michigan is fully preparing for Jim Harbaugh to return to the NFL as a head coach. So the day you're listening, February 2nd, is National Signing Day. And instead of being on the recruiting trail, Harbaugh is going to be interviewing for the head coach job at the Minnesota Vikings. Are you guys excited about the likelihood of Harbaugh returning to the National Football League? I actually am a little bit. Because I, I've said plenty of times that college coaches going to the NFL just never ever works. But Jim Harbaugh was the one guy that I was like, this guy, this guy is a pretty good coach. I, I he did pretty well in San Fran for 
the the time he was there and he he got to one Super Bowl appearance, two NFC Championship appearances, and and he got there with with Alex Smith and Cal and Colin actually three NFC Championship games with uh, Alex yep. Smith the first one and then two Kaepernick and so he had he had success in San Fran and I think if Rodgers were to leave Green Bay that that opens the door for someone to take advantage uh, of that division and I think having uh, a new guy like Harbaugh who I think can coach uh, in for him to become the head coach in Minnesota I think that can help Minnesota get to uh, become a division winner possibly if Rodgers were to leave Green Bay and I think it would be a good hire uh, I, I would like the hire I don't really have a strong opinion, honestly. I I don't know. I always preferred him to his brother just because of the teams they coached. Um, but and I mean I am I'm fine enough with uh I'm fine enough with the with the Vikings to I don't know. I'm it's like I'm pretty neutral toward it all. Like I'm pretty neutral toward him, I'm pretty neutral toward the team, I'm pretty neutral toward Michigan. it, it all honestly I don't I don't really care, uh, if I'm being honest, <laughs> I guess. So Jim was very successful with the Niners. I'm not surprised that he's getting another shot at the NFL, um, especially coming off a season where he led Michigan to the college football playoff, which it was after a year where he could have easily been fired for disappointing there. Um, while the Vikings certainly are an appealing job, we talked about how that was um, pretty appealing in a few episodes ago. I'm interested to see if Steven Ross tries to, you know, make up for some of this bad news he's getting by stealing Harbaugh um, from Minnesota, especially given that both Ross and Harbaugh are Michigan alum. You know, Ross says he didn't want to be the guy to take Harbaugh from Michigan, but if he's leaving either way, then I'm sure he'd much rather him be coaching for his team than for somebody else. So. Uh, but again, if he ends up with the Vikings, there, there's certainly a lot of intrigue there, a lot of directions they can go uh, with Kirk Cousins on an expiring contract and you know a lot of the veteran pieces they have there. And of course, like you said, if Rodgers leaves Green Bay, the Packers are probably taking a big step backward, opening the door for the Vikings. So, all right, that'll do it for NFL topics. A lot to get to, as always, this time of year. We don't have too much more chances to talk NFL, so we'll we'll definitely put all of our thoughts out there for you. So real quickly before the top five, a few pop culture topics. We always like to, you know, talk about non-sports things whenever Kenny is on. First question for you guys, have either of you gotten into the Wordle craze over the past weeks or months? I started, oh, yeah. I started playing it yesterday and I played a couple games and I, I, I got the word both times I played. Uh, Congrats! And yeah, <laughs> but at the same time, like there wasn't much to it. I, I'm just asking you guys: like, Can you play against other people, or is it no? Just, it's just it one is, a day, right? It's just, just one a day. day. That's Everyone that's has how, the same word. Yeah, it's Everyone very simple word. game. Yep. I think so. I like the concept, and it has been yeah simple for even a a new dummy num, new dumb guy like me to play the app on, or not even an app. It's, uh, it's just a website. Don't even have an app for it. It's a website. Yeah, uh-huh. but. I don't know. I guess there's, I wish there was more to it and uh, yeah, like playing other people or, or having an app for it and making it maybe more difficult, whether that's longer words, uh, longer letter words, like maybe six letter words or I don't well, know. I think there's, I I like the concept, but I think there's, there should be way more room for growth. You could be in luck because Wordle was just bought by the New York Times and most of the internet oh, no. thinks they're going to destroy 
Wordle. So maybe they'll they'll do a oh, lot of crazy no. things to make it more appealing for you, Brian. <laughs> Kenny, you don't <laughs> seem enthused. Okay, I just want to say, Brian, you say they need harder words. Noel almost stumped me. Okay. Oh, I, I got that one. That I know that it was trending like two nineteen <laughs> Wordle yeah, yeah, X right, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I, I think that. I think for them to expand would be a mistake. I think that the reason that this is taking the internet by storm is because it's one a day. If mm-hmm. this were a game I could just keep playing over and over, I'd be I would I'd have been bored day one. But it's like, oh, it's one a day. I'm checking back every day. Third the, try yeah, t- today. Today's wasn't hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, know. No, I got in third try as well. I know. I, I mean, I've been playing for a few weeks now. I actually held off for a while. So, I I do a daily theme crossword. I have an app. Every single day, I have Sudoku installed on my phone. I'm constantly doing that. I'm addicted to all these puzzle games. Oh, no, yeah. I, I'm, I'm yeah, all about yeah. puzzle games too. Yeah. I have. I also have Sudoku on my phone. I I have. Uh, I've had Hedato books. I don't know if you know that game. No, no, no. no, no, no. And then, um, I I play Words Words of Friends. So yeah, like I I like puzzle games as well. Yeah, so I mean, there's obvious intrigue to Wordle, but I also held off because like I don't need another game to be addicted to. But eventually, my mom was like, "Hey, have you heard of this game?" Like, "Yes, I've heard of Wordle." Okay, fine, I'll play. It's like, all right, that's simple, easy. And again, I can only do it once. It's you're right. right. I guess so quick. Yeah, it's just one one a day, and then you're done with it. And then like, okay, cool. I'll wake up the next morning. Time to do the Wordle and then move on with my day. I've never shared it on social media. There was one time where I almost did because a really cool pattern where I got the last two letters. And then I got the third letter and then the second letter and then the first letter. I thought it looked kind of cool, but I was like, no, I I don't want to make that a habit. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I I think Wordle is fun. I don't know if uh, the New York Times is going to keep it going, but... They're going to destroy it. Yeah, I know. That's what a lot of people are afraid of. But, it, you know, Brian, maybe they'll they'll make it interesting for you. Yeah, I I hope they do. And I actually just texted you guys a picture of what world has been like over the past week <laughs> i hope you guys like it i yeah, i mean i, I that's so basically say, what it is, it is it is homer at a bar with me and then everyone around just posting wordle their wordle thing yeah, yeah. well so uh, so the fact that you can use emojis to to represent it is is good i don't know if that was intentional by them but like that it's good it's it's nice that you can just use the little squares to to show how you did because I was introduced to it 17 days ago, and it was 17 days ago, days ago exactly because I'm on a 17-day streak. I've never gotten it wrong. Um, Same. But when I was introduced to it, I thought it was I thought it was like old, like old, old. But like everyone knew about it, but no one cared. I didn't know about it, but I was like, oh, that's weird. I haven't heard of this. I I guess everyone did. And then like I saw a, another podcast talking about it, and I saw it on Instagram, and I realized <laughs> that apparently it's just becoming popular. Uh, at least semi recently, um, but I, I haven't shared it on social media. I have the one friend who told me about it. I will like send back and forth how he did. There was one day when there are five letter words, and I get the, my first guess. The first four showed up green, and it it was insane to watch. And then the last one was oh, black, and, it was, and I missed it. But I almost got it first try, and and I've been chasing that high ever since. That was like day eleven. Yeah. It was it was about a week ago, but. Man, that was crazy. And then the last one didn't get it. I love the idea of getting it on the first try. Like that, that someday. That sounds incredible. So someday, as long as New York Times doesn't ruin it, you know, because if it's more than one a day, everyone's gonna get it on first try eventually, you know. True. Yeah, that, yeah you're right. Yeah. Don't ruin this, New York Times. <laughs> All right. Another topic that is uh little more controversial than Wordle 
and that is around Spotify. Neil Young gave Spotify an ultimatum, says, it's me or Rogan. Get Joe Rogan off your platform or I'm taking off my music. And he ended up pulling his music. And some others like Joni Mitchell and Nils Lagren. Is that, I'm sure others have followed uh, East Street Band, Bruce Springsteen. So uh, I guess for those who aren't familiar with the Joe Rogan experience, it's a podcast hosted by the former host of Fear Factor, Joe Rogan, who he just sits down and has conversations with people, sometimes friends, sometimes, you know, interesting people in their fields of study. And uh, it's super popular. Spotify paid $100 million for the exclusive rights to it in 2020, and he has had a handful of doctors on that have given maybe some unpopular thoughts on the COVID-19 vaccine and other things surrounding the coronavirus. He's very much been anti-vac... or at least said that he's not going to take the vaccine when he had COVID. He talked about like ivermectin and all these other things he took, so... It kind of makes sense that there'd be some people who are not a huge fan of him, but I guess what are your thoughts on uh, some of these artists from you know the seventies going out of their way to, you know, have this Rogan or me ultimatum? The funniest thing I saw about this was there was a guy who said, "My dad is going to be furious. He is a lifelong Spotify user, and that specific, and he specifically loves Joni Mitchell." And Neil Young, <laughs> this is not good. And and then all of a sudden, the hours or days later, he gets a text from his dad, and the text says, "Who the fuck is Joe Rogan?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was the best. I, that was the best thing about that. Uh, I, I I support the sentiment and the statement, and I think like you know, people using people using their their platform to take a stand for what they believe in, I think is good. Um. Unfortunately, I don't really think this is going to amount to much, especially where Spotify has the exclusive rights. Like they're not, they're not pulling Joe Rogan unless a lot of artists do this. Yeah. And I, don't, no one big name. Like, I mean, not that they're not big names, but they're not current. You would big need names. more and bigger names for it to be an right. actual problem. More right. current if, names, right? Is contemporary, really contemporary yeah. artists who get more listens than you know artists who were who were influential and and huge for their time, but people don't listen to them as much anymore. And frankly, a lot of the people who listen to them probably are using like CDs or, or even records. Maybe that yeah, certainly not people listen to them on Spotify. On Spotify. Yeah. Right. Like I've listened to Neil Young on Spotify, but not a lot. I probably wouldn't have noticed that he was gone if I didn't hear about it. Um, so I, I don't really think this is going to amount to much, but I, I support, I support these artists, you know, using their platform to, to speak their mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, money talks, and, and yeah, I, I have the exact Spotify same opinion. Money. I don't have a problem with Neil Young and Joni Mitchell for what they're doing. Like, I get that, like, um, not liking someone spreading misinformation about COVID, and so I, I think it's totally fine that they're doing what they're doing. But that, at the same time, like what Kenny said, it's not going to really affect much unless if more and bigger names were to follow through with what they're doing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I totally support them doing that, but I also, I don't have a problem with Joe Rogan. And I think it's kind of silly that just like some random dude has this much power over people that he's 
viewed as like a legitimate news source which when well, you have one that many the, listeners it is fair to be but it's, it's just kind of ridiculous that well, like there are well, people who actually take medical advice from the guy well that's what i was just gonna say like i mean like one of the best quarterbacks <laughs> only one of the best quarterbacks in the entire league is uh-huh. actually taking advice from him so well right I, I think that i think that there's a real problem here and joe rogan is part of the problem but the bigger problem is that people will listen to him like if you're listening to him for entertainment purposes okay whatever but it's like it's like i i enjoy conspiracy theories i think they're fun but it's hard to enjoy them because they're dangerous you know i I don't listen to the joe rogan experience but i also wouldn't because i don't want to make it more popular not that me listening is going to make a difference but but just where like these things are dangerous and that's kind of the bottom line is that it's unfortunate but people do listen to this and and get influenced by it it's crazy but people are very impressionable and and it doesn't take much you know so i i think it's unfortunate that he has so much so much sway in what people think at least a select group of people um but but unfortunately there's not really anything neil young can do about it yeah i mean spotify was always going to side with rogan when it comes down to this so oh yeah yeah and then they they also said that they're going to start putting like a disclaimer before episodes talking coronavirus that you should consult with your doctor, medical professionals, you know, just this is just conversation and you shouldn't this shouldn't be your your form of research or anything like that. So they're at least putting in some effort. Joe Rogan That's he posts nothing. like a 10 minute yeah. video on Instagram like saying like yeah, that's absolutely fair, you know, talking about the origin of the show and like how he didn't mean for it to go the way it did and you know he's a fan of neil young and all this stuff and whatever so um <laughs> yeah so i i'm gonna continue to listen to spotify over apple music i prefer spotify way more than apple music and oh, i'm not gonna no switch question. over something like this <laughs> so all right and then the last topic we want to get to here uh so yesterday or you know the day of recording monday january 31st mcdonald's introduced some new menu hacks for a limited time brian i gotta ask did you celebrate by uh ordering a land air and sea last night for dinner no <laughs> no <laughs> no did, did you see what the the new menu saw, items are yeah i saw the new menu items the one that really interests me the most is the the sausage sausage egg McMuffin. muffin with the yeah. hash brown i love with- their hash browns and combining it with a, a sausage mcmuffin oh man i gotta try that I think a lot of people have been doing that. Like that seems like the most popular one. That so I personally, is. I don't love their hash browns. Like I know everyone loves them. I'm more of a an IHOP hash browns guy, or you know, call them a Waffle House hash brown down yeah, south. Yeah, I like theirs too. Yeah. I'm, I'm just I, I do love the McDonald's ones though. In terms of that style, McDonald's does have a really good hash browns there. But um, I guess that that one and then the crunchy double throwing McNuggets on a burger, those two seem like the most normal and appealing <laughs> the whole surf and turf in the lander and yeah and i like that feel like way that one would much. Have, that one appealed me too because i do i like their their mcnuggets are good i don't love the i don't love their burgers as much as wendy's or bk they're definitely third for me when it comes to their burgers but that kind of above burger king but that's yeah that's obviously you i don't love their burger burgers king. either yeah yeah but that combination would interest me too <laughs> i'm all about menu ha- uh secret menu menus and uh, i remember when I went to California a few years ago for a cousin's wedding, I've never been to In-N-Out Burger. And the first time I went there, I got the four by four animal style. And like, good that stuff. was amazing. Yeah. That was 
great stuff. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Corey texted me a few days ago and asked if I had a, an opinion about this, and I was confused because I didn't know what he was talking about. And then he sent me a follow-up thing, and I was confused because I didn't know what it was saying. And then I looked up more about it, and I'm still confused. I don't understand what is going on here. Uh, I watched. It's a. The, it's the guy. The the guy from the meme. The my my day is ruined. My whatever is something, and my day is ruined. I've only seen him in a meme, but I watched one of his videos. It's the report of the week, I guess, is what he's called, and he calls it his running on empty food review. He ate the land, air, and sea. Uh, said it was fine but the filet fish ruined it uh which yep. makes sense because why is that in there um I, wh- why are they doing this it's from what he said they're not it's not a discount like you're still buying you have to download the app and then buy you're still buying so it is app items. exclusive right i think so but not really because it's like you get the app and you still buy both sandwiches it's individual yeah they you have to make it, it yourself yeah. Right. And then, and, and he, and I had this thought while I was watching the video and, and this guy, his name is John. Uh, he, he called out the same thing I was thinking where he's like, this is just f- promoting food waste because then he had two sets of buns that he just threw in the trash because they're not oh, part like, of, yeah, right. They, they're selling you three sandwiches and saying, here, do something with it. There's no <laughs> discount. There's uh-huh. just, per, they're promoting food waste. I think they're trying to get people to buy their or to download their app. But I'm like, this is insane to me. This is yeah. like, this isn't a secret menu. This is a this is build a bear. I don't I don't understand. Uh, what's and going of course, on. they're doing that on January 31st. They're announcing it right as everyone's starting to wean off their New Year's resolutions. They're like, right, all right, yeah, time yeah. to go go eat a fillet of fish inside a uh, what Mc, fillet of fish inside a McChicken inside a Big Mac. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. I, mean, I agree. I, I think the fillet of fish is just that's just too much. I I've never had any interest in eating a fish sandwich from a fast food restaurant. So oh, I mean that's what good things. Yeah. That that's what kind of puts it over the top. So I know you are also a vegetarian. I, I assume that these are sure. not going to change your. No. Like I'm not going to. I'm not going to get them <laughs> anyway. But re- that, uh-huh. that aside, this is insane and ridiculous to yeah. me. Like I don't. I think I th- I really think McDonald's is. And other places too, but specifically McDonald's is just trying to see what they can get away with. Like first they're like, oh, hey guys, this is what Travis Scott eats. And they weren't, they weren't the only ones to do the, the whole celebrity meal. I'm not, you know, I know that. Who else but they're did like, the hey, celebrity this, meal? Uh, at was, least Chipotle did it with the 21 Pilots burrito. I'm, did, I'm didn't Subway of. do it with, with a uh, Tatum you're and right, yeah, Draymond? Sub, Subway is on it. Yeah. So, Subway's on so it. Yeah. And so you're right, Chipotle did do it. Yep. Yeah. So that's silly because it's like, here's regular menu items that celebrities eat you could have ordered this anyway it's pointless and Uh, now they're like i don't know buy two things and do something with it yourself i don't know what they're going to do next but i really think they're just trying to see what they can get away with to make money off of people's desire to be a part of something regardless of how ridiculous it is it's insane it's insane to me what's going on here i don't i still don't understand Taco Bell is able to get away with just throwing out these ridiculous menu items and just like slightly modifying things that they've done in the past. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know if McDonald's just trying to follow in their footsteps with this, but I actually gave a speech in um, speech 140, my sophomore year of college, where my, my topic for the semester was around food. And I based my first one was just uh, talking about the downfall of McDonald's and like some of their advertising and like how they're... Uh, not doing as well as they had been in the past and they've i, I had, think they've they've had the same slogan for i'm loving it ages. yeah well i'm loving that it. was it's the my same favorite tune part for all these years but a ba 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 yeah my favorite part of the video was um 
I, or of the speech I gave was my last line was, are you still loving it? And <laughs> everyone, everyone loved that. They loved the line. I don't know if they loved McDonald's. <laughs> no, and I, I just, I don't know. Like, I don't keep up with all of Taco Bell's special things, but like from, from what I recall, they, it's at least something they're like, they're like, we're going to put this in this. It's a new, yep. it's like, it's the same it's thing, but it's a new menu. Yeah. Just they're not like, they're not like buy a taco and a ch- taco. chalupa and shove it in there yourself. <laughs> like they're like, we'll do it for you at least, you know? Like, uh-huh. Yeah. Right. The quesarito, they, they did that themselves. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. And I guess one last thought when we talk about filet fish, I, I don't love the idea of the sandwich, but I, I can't hear filet of fish without thinking back to those commercials oh, yeah. from 10 years ago. The give me back that filet of fish. Give me that fish. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Every single time pops into my yeah. head. Yeah, that's that's iconic, at least. All right. So that'll do it for this segment here. Let's get into the top five. Okay, so this episode has been running a lot longer than we expected, and we still have a lot left in the top five. So I just wanted to put this little message in here to let our listeners know that if you reach this point, you're you're running low, uh, you've been listening way too long, you don't think you can go with another top five, just know that there is no new episode coming out next week. We won't be recording new sports content until after the Super Bowl. So if you want to save the top five for next week, that sounds like a great idea. Keep pushing through if you're able to, but just wanted to throw this in there for anyone who goes three hours this week and then doesn't have anything to listen to next week. So with that, let's continue. So we talked about it earlier in the show. We had Kenny on for top five animated Disney films in November. If you want to go back and listen to those, we said non-Pixar, we'll save Pixar. February 3rd, 1986, Steve Jobs and everyone else incorporated Pixar as a company. So in honor of its anniversary, we'll count down our favorite Pixar films in this week's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. So normally we let the guest folk go first, but Kenny's been on it a lot in recent months. So we'll we'll, we'll, we'll let Brian start this time. All right, so for my number five, I went with Cars, the first Cars film, because there were three of them, but the first one was definitely great. I saw this back in, I think it was fifth or sixth grade when I saw yeah, this. It was 2006, so probably fifth grade for us. Yeah, fifth grade, and I definitely enjoyed it, and I still would enjoy it if I saw it today. Uh, definitely, definitely a great movie where the main character that Owen Wilson plays, Lightning McQueen, he has to travel cross country for the big race between him and two other cars uh and as he's traveling cross country of course he ends up getting lost and he ends up on uh what was it radiator springs radiator springs yep. yeah route 66 and he ends up basically in the middle of nowhere but uh but he ends up uh it ends up being a life-changing experience for lightning because he meets uh, there are a lot of great characters outside of Lightning. We have Sally and Mater and then Doc, of course, uh, teaching him his ways and, and how he used to be a uh, a former race car driver. He was the Hudson Hornet. and 1951-52 yep. and 53 yeah, Piston it, Cup champ. It's it's just an empty cup. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I love the scene where, where Lightning, he tells uh, everyone, like, Doc has three Piston Cups, and then Mater just goes... He what in his cup? <laughs> yeah, I love that scene as well. Uh, yeah, and so that yeah, that scene was great. And then yeah, just 
overall movie it was it was it was great and from start to finish where lightning he's this cocky race car driver uh and then as time goes on he uh he starts to mature and and have more friendships uh with everyone there and is a great overall movie for sure i think you did a really good job of pitching it because it made me almost feel like i liked cars and i didn't like cars <laughs> really? uh, it, it's it's fine it's a fine yeah. movie uh but it's so far from my favorite in fact is getting a bit specific but it is my second least favorite non-sequel pixar film uh and i will as this goes on uh be laying into the pixar sequels a little bit because i don't think they have a great track record what i will say cars 2 awful movie cars 2 is very bad but cars, i've actually cars never one. seen either car sequel because i've heard so many awful things that i haven't bothered giving cars a 3 was okay but cars yeah. 2 well, Bad. so I didn't see either sequel until either 2020 or 2021. Uh, I finally decided to catch up during the pandemic on Pixar films because uh, since like 2007, I think, I had not been caught up. Uh, so I, I've now seen all of them. Uh, Cars 2 was bad. Uh, Cars 3, honestly, Cars 3 should have been Cars 2. Cars 3 was a decent movie. Uh, it was, you know... I didn't love Cars. I didn't love Cars Three, but I think that they were they were they were made for each other. Cars Two was a spy movie for some reason. Like I don't understand. Even the creators of the movie were were like, yeah, this wasn't a great movie. Yeah, like Cars Cars Three. Cars Three was was a decent follow up to Cars. So we have the same opinion on those sequels, where Two was bad and Three was it was okay. It was. Yeah, it was decent. It was passable. It was, it was all right. And the and the first one, like I don't hate Cars. It was it was a fine movie, but it's it's like for for a Pixar movie for me, it it doesn't it doesn't hold the candle to to the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I definitely had to put it uh, at least top. No, yeah, that's that's fair. I was I was surprised to see it to be honest, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's fine. Um, my number five is uh is is Coco, um, which is. I don't remember what year it came out. It was more recent. Wasn't um, it just in 2021? No, Coco it's came out. It's 2017. 2017, oh, that wow, sounds okay. right. Yeah. Coco came out a few years ago. It's uh it's it's uh it's essentially about um the Mexican holiday, the Day of the Dead, which oh, I Oh, okay, not, yep, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's I think it's probably the the prettiest movie Pixar has made. It's just it's so beautiful. The the art in it, the the animation, like it all looks so nice. And it's um, it's about a it's about a someone from from a Mexican family, essentially crossing over into the the spirit world on uh, Dia de los Muertos, which I apologize for my pronunciation, but uh, he goes into the, into essentially where the where the spirits go on on the Day of the Dead, and it's just essentially his adventure through there and his um, discovery of who his family is and perhaps some secrets about his family. I think it's a, I think it's a really good movie, um, but really I think it's I think it's the most beautiful movie Pixar has made visually, and that's really what pushed into the top five for me. Is you know Pixar movies kind of have not necessarily a formula, but you kind of, you watch a Pixar movie, and you're like, okay, yeah, that was a Pixar movie. You kind of know what to expect, and this this follows it as most, if not all, of them do. Um, but it was a good story. And I think it was kind of the start of Pixar becoming more inclusive with their films. Um, not that they've been exclusive because mo- a lot of the time it's not humans. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but even so, like this was skeletons, but it was still Mexican heritage and 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 their holiday. Um, and that inclusivity didn't really continue until 2020 or 2021 with Soul and Luca. And again, you know, you're dealing with souls and and sea monsters or, or whatever you want to call them in Luca. But it's 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 you know African American, um, specifically music and uh, and Italian. Um, lifestyle even though they're non-human so i think that this kind of to me is where pixar started to branch out more in terms of showing other cultures so i think it was an important movie and like i say i liked the movie but the the way it looked the way they made it so beautiful um and they showed before the movie like a little bit of how they made it it i just think they did a really good job visually and like i say it started to expand and be more inclusive with movies that i think they did a really good good job making so i think it's it's an important movie and um yeah enough enough to bump it into my number five spot so i've seen some of coco i haven't seen the whole thing uh i do get what you're saying in terms of like the visuals though uh no yeah it's it seems like a, a movie that i should take the time to actually watch the whole thing it's just like i've walked in on it being shown um versus you know taking the time to watch it myself I legitimately have never heard of it until this oh, very really? moment. <laughs> yeah, it's, really? it's got huh. it's got good music too. They music is a big part of it, and and like it. Not only does it look nice, but it to me it it feels like it's visually a good representation of the Day of the Dead. Uh, I think they do a really good job of like the colors and everything. So I think it's worth a watch. I, I really enjoyed it. I saw it in theaters. Uh, I haven't seen it since then, admittedly, but um, I really enjoyed it. It, it left uh, left an impression on me. So whenever we do these top five film topics, you know, regardless of what it is, uh, I I like to go and actually watch movies before, whether it's, you know, most of the time it's watching movies again, just a way to kind of separate it, make sure that I, I fully understand the plot. There's no points that I'm missing because I haven't seen a movie in years. Uh, and make sure I still feel the same way I do about it now as I did years ago. And I'll also take the time to watch other movies that I think could be in the top five, but I hadn't seen before, and I want to have them be inclusive on the list. I don't want to say, well, I've never seen this movie that probably should be way up there. And it's happened plenty of times where I've had movies be as high as like number two on my list that I watched two days before recording. And this is a case of my number five where it's a movie that I just watched for the first time a few days ago, and that is Ratatouille. And I didn't know what to expect. This was one where I was like, maybe it'll be in the top five. And I instantly was like, this has to be up there for me because I'm seeing scenes of Paris and cooking and all this stuff. And I'm like, I've never had a desire of going to Paris before, but this movie makes me want to go there. It makes me want to go eat French food. And I, I felt like that alone was enough like for me to consider this inspirational and put it in my top five. And I think it's a great story. You have Remy the Rat, who uh, he gets inspired by this great French chef, Augusto Gusto, who has his... Uh, cookbook, his life's mantra, anyone can cook. And it's, uh, you know, Remy learns how to cook despite being a rat. And he, he helps out, uh, what's his name? Alfredo Linguini, um, who is just hired as a busboy, Gusto's um, long lost son, and accidentally creates this amazing soup. And all of a sudden, the busboy is hired to be a chef. And 
it, it's a it's a fun story. I I really love it, and I definitely would recommend this based on my own experiences. Brian, you were talking before this, saying that it yeah, almost it, made it, you it top pay, five. It so. paid me to t- put it out of the top five, but we also talked about how there were too many similarities with our lists. Where I was like, you know what, I'll just leave this out, and it kind of it kind of sucked for me to leave this out because, like like you said, I enjoyed it as well, and with with Remy uh, and the the concept of him uh, where anyone can cook and where he, he's trying to teach uh, in Linguini how to cook and, and be his chef where he's on top of his head and he's controlling uh, his arm movements with his hair, which is basically physically impossible. But for the movie, <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, it works. <laughs> why not? And hey, if I were in that situation, if you guys were in that situation, where you had no idea what you're doing, but you could be the top chef in the world, or at least in Paris, if you just have all you have to do is just have a a rat buddy, <laughs> little chef, uh, do everything for you. Would you guys do it? I don't I think mean, so. <laughs> sure, yeah. In that position, if you need a job like that, and especially everything that it, he gained from it, like absolutely worth it. It's, although I, I, I hate the idea of rats, but Remy seems like he's a he's one of the good. Yeah, ones. like Remy specifically. Yeah, but in real life, <laughs> if it where were rats an animated are, rat, yeah, uh, then that is pro- a good point. I'm picturing an animated rat, not yeah. A, I'm picturing the animated nat, rat, not a real not life rat. One, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Not. I don't life want a rat on my head. I don't really <laughs> like food service, and the thought of being found out and exposed would terrify me every day. Someone takes off my hat, and they're like, "You're a fraud. This is a rat." And why is there a rat on your head? You're disgusting. Like, I don't. I don't want that. I don't need that. Uh, yeah, I definitely thought too much about the <laughs> the cartoon version on top of my head. But no, I I didn't see this movie for quite a long time. Not as long as you, Corey. I watched it in I want to say 2017, probably roughly around the time I saw Coco. Um, and I've only seen it the one time. Uh, I I I like. The idea that you've talked about, Corey, of watching these movies again uh, before the list, because it doesn't even like I watched two movies in the in the last day for this. And I, I wasn't sitting down and watching them. I was, you know, doing other stuff, but still paying attention. Uh, and I think I should do more of that in general, because I really I really enjoyed Ratatouille. I remember liking it a lot, uh, but I, I saw it once like five years ago. Um, and I have multiple people in my life who love this movie and I don't really think watching it once five years ago is, uh, giving it enough of a shot. So, um, I feel like I should watch it again. I liked it, but didn't, it didn't stick with me enough, uh, to, to include it, but I'm glad it's mentioned cause I did enjoy it. And like I say, I know people who, who will stick their neck out for this movie and say that it is one of Pixar's best. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. There's what twenty two Pixar movies. It's hard to narrow it down to five. Yeah. yeah, like there's certainly is. some you it can is. easily eliminate, but it, it's hard to even just get it down to a top ten for some of these movie lists that we do. So that's why I like to kind of all right. I feel confident about this list because I just watch these movies and I have immediate takeaways. Right. But yeah, I agree with you. Where Ratatouille is a great movie, and but at the same time, there are just too many movies that stick out for for me personally. And one of them is Cars. And then another one for me at number four is Wally, and Corey and I have talked about this. Where Co- you didn't care for Wally, right? Not a big fan of Wally. Yeah, yeah, I, I was definitely a fan of it. And one thing, one reason why I always refer back to it is that in the very beginning, Wally is just by himself on planet Earth, uh, just putting things together, 
and when the world is there's like no one on earth and it's just everything is in oblivion and the reason why i refer back to it all the time is i think that's what the plane will end up being like in a hundred years or a thousand years or whatever where there's like no one on earth and we we ruined our planet and everyone it every human left is just now on this spaceship just fat (laughs) and 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 robots are just uh doing everything for them (laughs) so that's why i always refer back to that movie but in all seriousness i did enjoy this movie a lot and uh i think well kenny talked about how with coco music was definitely a big part of why he liked uh coco music was actually a, a big reason why i liked this movie as well where thomas newman was a big part of He's a big part of a lot of movies, but he was also a part of this movie, and a lot of the the background music was great in this movie, and I I love the connection between Wally and Eva uh, as well <laughs> in this movie, and and I I think Wally, even though he's a robot, he has all the personality, and even if he's kind of a like not the smartest robot, I, I think there's a I thought I thought there was a great connection with him and Eva, and he was a very likable character, even if he had very little words. Uh, he was definitely someone that, definitely a character that I really liked. Uh, yeah, so, I, I think the the lack of dialogue was my biggest turn. That's off part of it. Movie. That's part of the reason why people but, don't like this movie. But I thought it was. But great. like, I I understand appreciating it when you look past that. Yeah. I didn't realize that people didn't like Wally overall. I thought it was I thought it was one of the more popular ones, but I don't really have anything uh, to base that on. I will say, Brian, it probably is. I don't I don't think that I'm the norm. I don't know. I, think I'm I don't exception. know much. Um, but Brian, frankly, I think that your uh, your prediction for the world is actually a little bit optimistic because I think <laughs> when we ruin our planet, I think we're going to get ruined with it. I don't think we're going to get to get on a spaceship and fly away and get I fat. Mean, I think not, we're done. Not everyone got to go on that spaceship, I'd imagine. That's I'd true, imagine but I mean, only, right now, only, right only now like we can't like even I'd imagine only several thousand people and not several million or billion people got to go on that spaceship. Just, right just now, the president at best, and f- Elon Musk. Right. At best, a few dozen are going to get in a spaceship and and die in space they're not going to be living on a space colony so i don't or get eaten have you guys seen don't look up yet no i haven't yet okay. i've been meaning to all right i won't i won't spoil it I, I, i'll watch it soon i'll make sure to watch it soon uh but no i i liked wally uh it's I, it's quite different from from the other picture movies which i think is good because i mean they're all different in some way but i think wally kind of stands out as uh as being not what you necessarily expect uh it's still got the same pixar elements but I don't know. I liked it. It just. I do agree a little bit enough. with Corey that some people might not like like it because of how le- little dialogue there is and interactions with with people in the movie. But then when you get to the spaceship with all the humans, then there's more interactions with other yeah, characters yeah. in the movie, like n- not just Wally and Eva. Yeah, I think it was a, it was a good one. It just what not not quite good enough for me. Um, my number four. Uh, is is Toy Story 2. And I know I said I was going to go in on Pixar for its production of sequels. Uh, this is, in my opinion, far and away, easily Pixar's best sequel. Uh, I don't think any other... I think in general, they're not, very, they're not very good at them. I don't think they really know what makes their original movies good and they try to capitalize on the wrong things. But Toy Story 2, uh, they did a really good job with. And... 
we haven't covered uh, Toy Story here, but following the events of Toy Story, it's essentially uh, Woody gets captured and the other toys try to go save him. Uh, and Woody meets some new friends along the way. And those, uh, in the end, those friends come back with him and they are part of the, part of the toy family in the end. It's a good, it's a good, uh, it's, you know, it's a Pixar movie, so it's going to be feel good. Um, it's got one of the, I think that sad Pixar is, is kind of, uh, kind of, kind of what I, not necessarily what I go to Pixar for, but it feels like any Pixar movie that is lacking its, its big sad scene is missing something. Um, and this I think has one of the, at least most memorable for me, sad scenes with Jesse being, uh, left behind by her, by her, her kid, Emily, um, and seeing her backstory, it's just, it's just very sad. And, uh, I like when Pixar movies are, are, are feel good, but the, the sad moments are what make the, the feel good parts kind of extra sweet, I think. So I think Toy Story 2 did that really well. Uh, I don't think this is necessarily for me, uh, a, a Shrek and Shrek 2 situation in which, I know we're not talking DreamWorks today, but Shrek and Shrek 2 are, are, you know, some people say one is better than the other. Some people say the opposite. And I think that there's a, a case to be made for either. I think the same is true of Toy Story 2, but I don't go back and forth as much. I love you that know? you gave that comparison because I have given that comparison yeah. recently. I think it's Toy close, Story versus but- Toy Story 2. So for, for, for me, I bounce back and forth on this, sh- on Shrek and its sequel, Toy Story and Toy Story 2. It's just that they're, they're close, but Toy Story is always a little bit above for me. Um, spoiler for, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, but, uh, we can get very far ahead yeah. of ourselves, but I, I, I think that's fair. You said a lot about Toy Story 2. You probably won't be the last one to say something about it. <laughs> that's all I'll say yeah, as fair. we move on. Um, so my number four is Soul, which is one of the more recent Pixar movies. This one was released at the end of 2020, and it tells the story of Joe Gardner, a music teacher in New York City, who is he dreams of being a member of a you know, jazz band, a professional jazz performer, finally gets his big shot, uh, has a really strong audition with the great legend uh, Dorothy Williams. And in his excitement, he isn't paying attention to where he's walking home, falls into a manhole, and ends up in the afterlife, the great beyond. And having just gotten his big break, big his big break, his life goal, he tries to escape, get back to planet Earth, and ends up instead in the great before, where souls are before getting their chance to live, as opposed to after in the great beyond. Uh, there he ends up being assigned to 22, which is a soul that has spent her entire life in the great before, refusing to go to Earth. And uh, they you just end up on this heartwarming story all about the meaning of life and uh, just all these different stories that are told as Joe gets a chance to go back to Earth in the form of a cat um, and is there with 22 in his body so it's it's uh, a lot of fun in this one certainly a lot of humor that gets involved in this uh but you also just have a lot of touching stories and uh for a pixar movie that came out recently it it's uh, almost surprised that i've seen it but i'm glad that i took the time to watch it i'm glad that it came out when it did at the the height of the pandemic winter 2020 into 2021 um 
it was a great movie to watch with my family and I immediately loved it. And it was one where I almost, I thought about putting it even higher ahead of some other classics, but I uh, definitely knew it belonged in my top five. Yeah. I was surprised that it wasn't your number one, seeing as it almost <laughs> made your Disney It almost made my, I know, Pixar for whatever reason, I didn't remember it was Pixar. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah. So for my number three, I went with the movie Up, which is, if you guys remember the movie with the the floating house of all those balloons. And Kenny, you talked about with Toy Story 2 where one of the things that makes some movies great films for Pixar is some of the emotional scenes in this movie. And I feel like Up yeah. had a lot of that in this movie. And so so for this movie, Carl Fredrickson, the main character, he uh, meets Ellie. And in the beginning, it shows their life as a married couple and Carl, he wanted to, and Ellie wanted to fulfill a lifelong dream by going to Paradise Falls. Uh, but life gets in the way sometimes with just with bills and and jobs and whatever. And so it got to a point where it showed him getting older and older. And I'll admit it's a spoiler, but yeah, it gets to a point where it it shows that they were Carl wasn't able to fulfill that dream with Ellie because Ellie passed away. And so, but he still wants to fulfill that dream of going to Paradise Falls. And so he does that by by going with himself. At least he thought he was going by himself, but then he ends up going with with Russell, the the Boy Scout. And I think that yeah, like what I, like what you said, Kenny. With some films, some Pixar films really really know how to capture the emotional part. And I feel like Up had a lot of that with not only the beginning. Uh, with like seeing him and Ellie and them growing up as a couple, married couple, but also late throughout the movie, uh, he feels like there's a part in the movie where he feels like he failed Ellie by uh, not being able to be with her and really enjoy getting to Paradise Falls. But then they have this adventure book. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember that in the movie, but he had this oh, adventure yeah, yeah. book where he was planning to have like all these pictures of him and Ellie going to Paradise Falls, but then uh, Ellie didn't get to go, of course. But he, as he's looking through the book, he sees that Ellie actually put a lot of the pictures of them growing up together as a couple, and 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 that which made Carl feel great, and that he didn't fail her. And then at the end, it shows at the last page where it says. Like thanks for the adventure. Uh, now go have a new one. And like that scene right there is just like, oh my god, that scene gets me for sure. And, and I, I, I in the past have talked about how because the your your spoiler is, I mean, you gave a lot there. I know your like, original your original spoiler is like the beginning of the movie. It shows a montage of them growing old together, and then Ellie dies. And, and I've in the past talked about uh, how. The beginning of the beginning montage of Up is very sad. It's very emotional, uh, and it's good. But I was kind of like the rest of the movies, whatever. The rest of the movie's fine. I kind of forgotten about that ending um, because upon further reflection, that was a while ago. I would have said that. Um, I realized I th I think they do a really good job in the movie of of keeping that thread throughout. And um, I don't know. I don't know why I was so critical of it before. It might be because people talk so much about that opening scene. Uh, that I kind of forgot what else happened in the movie, um, but, but I agree. I the, think this the is the beginning a very well scene is definitely a big part of it. But yeah, I also enjoyed 
the, no, yeah, the there's, rest of there's it. a lot more to it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I think that it is well done. It, you know, kind of, like I said, with Wally, it, it kind of tells a different story than we're used to. We don't really see older people's story as much. I feel in, in Pixar movies, um, it's similar, similar with soul, although, you know, he's, he's not as old as, uh, Mr. Fredrickson is in up, but, um, I don't know. I think kind of on par with Wally for me where it's different and I do really like it. Uh, it's honestly probably nostalgia based. I don't really have as much nostalgia for it. And, mm-hmm. but, it, but it's a good, it's a good movie. I like, I, I quite like up, uh, more than I, more than I did, um, before I watched it more and thought about it more. No, I, I agree with that. I think that up is kind of like Pixar's version of the Lion King for me, where everyone else loves it way more than I do. So it's naturally going to be lower on my list, but I still like it. It's still a good movie. Yeah. It absolutely deserves to be in someone's top five here. So um just yeah, not in I, mine. Yeah. I agree. I I it would have been upsetting if no one had mentioned it. It's just not on my list. Mm-hmm. Um my number three, fortunately, my spoiler was uh, fast approaching. My number three is Toy Story, the original Toy Story. Um, I just think it's a little bit better than the sequel. Uh, it's it's the it's the first Pixar movie. It's the original Pixar movie. It's hard to not, and like I say, it's hard to not let nostalgia factor in. Um, but I don't think it's purely nostalgia. I've watched the movie more recently, and I think it's good. I think that it, especially for a movie that's what like 25 close to 25 years old now 26 now is 1995 yeah wow uh it it has more than i realized like some pretty complex characters woody is a bad guy at the start like he he's bad he's like just trying to get (laughs) he's just trying to get rid of buzz and like and and he yeah it's i don't know i think that they do a good job of showing complex characters that are toys in a movie for children but it's like they they do it well and and like i say it's it's the first one uh, i really like seeing the friendship between woody and buzz grow in this movie and and continuing on um and randy newman he only i think randy newman only did three songs in it but great job uh you got a friend and he gets all the credit but uh he does uh strange things as well in it i know which it, which i really like and he does i will go sailing no more which is a a sad scene with Buzz. Was that uh, the one where he's flying off? He's trying. Yeah. He's trying to fly, but then right. he sinks down. Yeah. I, so I, I I skipped the synopsis here, but essentially Andy has these toys, and uh, Buzz is a newcomer. Uh, Woody doesn't like him and tries to get rid of him. Realizes what he's done, and then they have to get they have to get Buzz back. Uh, possible criticism of Toy Story Two is that it's just trying to get Woody back. Whatever, it's fine. I like both movies. Um, but yeah, so Buzz has this scene because Buzz thinks he's an actual spaceman, an actual astronaut, and he won't listen to Woody when he's telling him he's a toy. And Buzz is trying to escape from Sid's house, and he sees an open window, jumps off of a staircase trying to fly with uh, Randy Newman's I Will Go Sailing No More playing. And he falls and he messes up his arms, and uh, one of his arms comes off. And it's it's a it's a scene of a, a, a toy a plastic toy falling off the stairs but it's sad like i think i find it to be a, a, a not as much as others not as much as, as some of the other movies we've talked about but it's a it's a sad scene that i find somewhat moving um and i think it really it does a good job of leading into to woody and buzz's eventual friendship um and it it, it leads to it leads to, to 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 three good movies and uh and a fourth movie <laughs> I I've never saw Toy Story four. 
Oh, wow. Don't bother. Don't bother. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah. Just don't. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. All right. Um, so my my number three is something that was already on Brian's list. That is Cars. You know, Brian already talked about it. I I love this movie. Uh, and Kenny, I understand that you're not a fan of it, but I guess some things that kind of stand out to me in this one in terms of uh, the nostalgia factor. Uh, one is that, um, so I saw this in theaters with my grandparents and my grandmother loved this movie. So I think that just naturally kind of makes it more favorable for me. Um, as well as... The Life is a Highway, Rascal Flatts cover. Just a huge fan I don't, of that song. I don't like country. Is is that country? Would you say Yeah, it's country. It's country. So yeah, I don't yeah, like I country so. at 2000s all. country. I don't like country at all. I like that song a lot. It's a great so, song. I don't like country at all, and I don't like that song. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It takes uh, all kinds. Yeah, no, I, I love the, the Rascal Flatts cover of it. I, I definitely think they made it so much better. Um, so you, you already talked about the, <laughs> the deed of what in this cup? scene another thing like there there are like a few moments like that that kind of stand out one for me was early in the movie when um so george carlin's character the volkswagen bus is having a conversation with sarge the like uh you know the the military jeep and is they has like this stoplight that's just flickering yellow and and uh the George Carlin's character is like, oh, you know, I swear every third time it takes a little longer. And then Sarish says to him, the 60s weren't good for you, were they? (laughs) It's just like little things like that where it's like adult humor in these Pixar. Respect the classics, man. (laughs) Yeah, right with Jimi Hendrix. (laughs) (laughs) Jimi Hendrix National Anthem. (laughs) Yeah, I I really like that that dynamic. And I, I, I think that there's a lot of like really great characters. Huge fan of Mater. To be honest, I I don't love Lightning McQueen. I think he grows on you as the story goes. Yeah, I think that's almost what's powerful about this is that he's not a very likable character in the beginning of the movie, but he becomes much more likable by the end. And you're you're rooting for him, and it is a success story. Like, you know, very very solid character. In the beginning of the movie, he was talking to his agent, and he's like, "Who do you want to invite to your birthday party or like some party?" And it's like, "Oh, what about uh oh." No, like he he doesn't have any friends. Yeah, he doesn't have friends. Yeah, he, he doesn't have friends because he's a cock, he's cocky and he's because he's a car. He's, yeah, he's a, yeah. He's a car, and, <laughs> but he's uh, but he's not likable in the beginning. And then as the movie goes on, he does become more likable, does mature, and and yeah, like there are a lot a lot of likable characters uh, outside of him and Mater and Sally, and but like you said, with with other characters like Sarge and uh, mm-hmm. Phil Moore and a couple other guys. Or cars, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. All right. So for my number two, it's been brought up a couple times, but not this sequel. I went with Toy Story three as my number two choice, and I'll fully admit I'm someone unlike Kenny. I'm I'm I probably give in to the nostalgia a little bit too much because I remember I watched this movie with my dad at 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 the movie theater and it's been it's been it's been so long since i've seen the toy story movies because the first one came out in 95 and the second one came out uh in 99 99 and so the 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 third one it was what 13 years later or so where we're annie 10 yeah we're so so annie's like all grown up and we're kind of at that age where like we're like near the same age as Andy or, or, or just about and and Andy he's he's all grown up and he doesn't 
care about his toys really and and all of a sudden he donates them or he at least that's what it was intended for or not intended for he was intended to put them up in the attic but then all of a sudden they're thinking to go in the trash but then they don't and they decide you know what let's go to the daycare where kids will actually want to play with us and uh what i will say about this movie is that i i really it's another thing like up where it's another there are other scenes where it really captures that emotional moment and the very ending scene where Andy is giving up all of his toys to Bonnie and then he talks about Woody the way he talks about Woody definitely gets you because he talks about how he's been his pal for as long as even though he's a toy he's been his, his pal for as long as you can remember and and that he'll always be there for you and never give up on you it's like oh my god like that I, I that the ending of that movie was perfect, and it was a perfect send off. And unlike Kenny, I perfect ending to the unlike to the Kenny, of movies. <laughs> unlike Kenny, I enjoyed to an extent. I enjoyed Toy Story Four. I didn't dislike it, but I will say it's I could have done without it. But at the same time, I'm okay with I Toy mean, Story Four. But at the same time, I think it would have been perfectly fine if they just had the ending with Toy Story Three, where Andy gives up his toys including Woody and they move on uh with with their over their lives and yeah to to give a spoiler for the rest of all of our top 5s uh we're not here to talk about Toy Story 4 because no one put it on their top 5 list. I think that's probably <laughs> evident uh, uh but there are aspects of Toy Story 4 that I that I liked I think that there were there were things there that could have worked, but there was too much that didn't. Uh, and again, we don't need to get into the weeds of Toy Story four because it's not in anyone's top five. Um, regarding Toy Story three, uh, I Toy Story three is one of the two movies I rewatched before before making this list and and coming on here um, because I think it's easily Pixar's second best sequel after Toy Story two. Uh, but I, I've never really understood the opinion that it's better than the original. Um, you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion and I'm not saying that anyone's wrong, but I, I, I've never been able to really wrap my head around it. So I rewatched I, it. I guess for so, me is, so I, for, for the record, I, I love all the movies. Well, I guess the sure, fourth, the yeah, least yeah. amount, but I, I love one, two and three. <laughs> right. Uh, I guess the reason why I left it off is because I don't want to pick three Toy Story movies in my top yeah, five. No, I mean, they're good uh, movies. I guess another reason is. I think yeah, you talked about Kenny where Woody at the beginning he's like kind of a dick to Buzz, and then he Buzz is, is he's he's completely oblivious to the real world, and he thinks he's still uh, Stark Stark Man. This is Buzz Lightyear, and he thinks he's he he thinks he's all that. And I'm I'm just nitpicking because I loved Toy Story one as well, but I guess sure, I guess yeah. I loved I I liked Woody and Buzz when they were getting along, and they. Uh, yeah, when when they're I mean, but there's really not even a lot of that in Toy Story three. You know, Buzz forgets who he is, and then he's in Spanish mode. I essentially I rewatched it, and I came away th- with the realization that this is how I feel about the movie: is that I like it. I think it's I think it's I think the toy the th- first three Toy Story movies are a solid trilogy of movies, and the best Pixar has ever done with sequels. Uh, but I'm just never gonna like three as much as two as much as one. Um, and, and it this has become a lot more common i think since toy story 3 but i think this was kind of the start of companies really profiting off of nostalgia and being like hey you know it's i have less of a problem with this than like hey let's remake the lion king live action which doesn't make any sense uh 
but it's it, they are capitalizing off this nostalgia. Yeah, and like, that's why know, I don't want to put it one, but I'll admit, sure. like I give into it because of right. how it ends up finishing uh, with that last scene. Yeah, and and they they do a good job with the nostalgia in this, but it's it's right in your face. You know, they start off with a montage of of child Andy playing with Woody, and then and, then he, and they try you know, they try to get his attention with by calling him and yeah, and then at the end when you know he's like, yeah, take care of them. They mean a lot to me, and it shows all of them. Like it's it's an emotional scene. Like they do it well. I just I I think it's very good. It's just for me. Uh, you know, a, a slight decline each time with movies and then a real just falling off a cliff for, for Toy Story 4. Um, but, the, but man, yeah. Pixar is usually really bad at sequels. They did a good job with these three movies. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, my number two is the other movie I watched prior to this recording, and it is Inside Out, uh, which is, again, a more recent one, I think. Uh, 2016 20, maybe 2015 20, 2015 okay yeah. um i really should have i really should have written these down uh it's it's a story of a young girl named riley who moves from uh, michigan to san francisco and it's essentially the story inside her head of five of her emotions uh you know trying to take care of her and trying to make sure she is well adjusted and essentially try to make sure she's happy. Uh, the main, the main character is the emotion joy, uh, voiced by Amy Poehler. And then there's, there's sadness and anger and fear and disgust. Uh, and they, they, I, one thing I really like about this movie. Well, one thing that I am, I get nervous when, when actors are hired over voice actors for, for voice acting roles. But despite, I think pretty much all of the voice actors being mainly screen actors in this, uh, they all do a really good job. And uh, I really like Amy Poehler's performance. I really like uh, Phyllis Smith's performance as Sadness. They're the the two, the two that we follow throughout. Um, they end up getting lost, and then they have to try to get back for Riley because Riley's struggling in her day to day life because her brain is being run by uh, anger, fear, and disgust, which is. Uh, perhaps not the, not the way that uh, a person's brain should be run, but it's a, it's a very emotional movie. Uh, they touch on, on a lot of things regarding emotions. There's a part where the three remaining emotions in Riley's head break her and she can't feel anything. Uh, and I just think they touch on some really heavy stuff without, without needing to hit anyone over the head with it or linger on it for too long, but just to kind of show, that these are emotional struggles people go through, including children. Um, because, you know, this is following, a, a, I think she's 12, uh, a 12-year-old child. And she might be I a little know, older. She might be a little older. It's possible. Yeah, Around I want to say she's like 14 or 15. Okay. Um, I should know. I watched the movie last night, but I forget. Um, <laughs> I could be but, wrong. So. 11 years she, old. <laughs> she's only 11? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Huh. I don't know. Um, I thought she was older. But but I, I just think that I think that they do a good job of handling those things. Like I said, the voice cast uh, was really good, and yeah, I don't know. I I, I once at I've seen it as ahead. well, and I I like the concept of the movie a lot. And I the first time I watched it was actually uh, on a plane to London to see you <laughs> and the gang. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember when it got to the emotional part, I literally had to like pause and like look around one side and then look around the other 
because I didn't want to just I didn't want people to see the look on my you face. You can cry, Brian. It's okay. You can cry. <laughs> yeah, I'm obviously admitting that I did in that movie or the one part that there was one really sad scene. I'm not going to give away. There, no, yeah, there's there's they you know Pixar does its thing. There's a scene where it's it's very sad. It's really sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it you know it's it's good. It's got the it's got the the heartwarming ending and. I've heard talks of a sequel that but, I hope. But they yeah, don't make. I, I do like the concept <laughs> of the movie, like how the emotions, uh, yeah, uh, how, how the emotions are, are used uh, in her brain with joy and fear and disgust uh, or sadness. Sorry, not yeah. But there was a there was a fear, right? Was there a fear? There's a fear. There's a fear one. Yeah, disgust yeah. one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Bill Hader's fear. Right. Mindy Kaling's disgust. Uh, Louis Black is anger. Yeah. yeah. Great cast. So the reason why I know this movie came out in 2015 was because the one time I watched it was at our friend uh, Benjamin Carlson's house right before Thanksgiving. It was the one year where I didn't go home for Thanksgiving when I was in college, which was in 2015. And I guess just quick shout out to him. I meant to say this at number four, but he did review Soul on his podcast, Affable Chat. Um, he They just did the four-year anniversary episode. They gave me a shout out for being one of their uh, biggest uh, contributors, you know, guest hosts, whatever. So I'll give them a shout out because I thought they did a really good job reviewing Soul. So if you haven't watched Soul, you should watch it and then you should listen to their recap of it. Uh, anyway, I fell asleep before the ending and when I woke up, it was over. So I was very disappointed in that. And for whatever reason, I haven't taken the time to go back and, you know, watch it. Uh, you know, all the way through. So I re- could easily see this in my top five. Otherwise, are you going to rewatch the rest of uh, Horrible Bosses too? As well, I did. I did rewatch <laughs> the rest of Horrible Bosses too. <laughs> I did finally do that. I want to say in like uh, April or May. So, yeah, uh, yeah. There, that's happened to me a few times. So that was at someone's house, like that. You know, mm-hmm. just and everyone's gathering around. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't pay money to fall asleep during Inside Out. So. Uh, all right, so my number two is uh, one that you know we, we've talked about Toy Story a lot. My favorite of the franchise is Toy Story two, and uh, one thing I want to say, Kenny didn't really go too much in the synopsis. Just says Woody gets gets taken. He gets taken by Newman from Seinfeld, aka Al, the owner of Big Al's Toy Barn, because Woody is part of a valuable collection for the show Woody's Roundup, which is where Woody starred back in presumably the you know forties or fifties. And, you know, Jesse, the prospector, Sinky Pete, Bullseye the Horse, all part of it. Woody's the missing piece in the collection. And Big Al wants to sell these four toys to a toy museum in Japan, make lots and lots of money off it. Uh anyway, the I think the reason why I put Toy Story 2 above the other two is a nostalgia factor. Um, A lot of it is Toy Story came out when I was maybe just born. It might even be older than me. Toy Story 2, I was four years old. So I was old enough to enjoy it when it came out. So I think that was part of it. And another thing that puts Toy Story 2 over Toy Story for me is I was absolutely terrified of Sid and his mutant toys as a kid. (laughs) So Toy Story 2 didn't necessarily have as scary scenes in it. So I think I was just partial to that one. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll be honest. Uh, And then I I did enjoy Toy Story 3, but, you know, I think being like a younger kid watching Toy Story 2, I think that was like the sweet spot for me to love this one. So. I'm sorry, but equally as terrifying as Sid's mutant toys are Big Al's cheese fingers. I don't want those, those things anywhere. Yeah, you know cheese what? puff those are, fingers and then him burping gross, in Woody's but... face. 
<laughs> yeah. I don't think that's as scary, but you're right. No, it it's, it, it's a different kind of scary. <laughs> All right. So well, you've heard you've already heard it twice, and you're gonna hear it a third time because my number one is another Toy Story sequel, and not the fourth one. You're welcome, Kenny. Not the fourth one. Toy Story Two is my number one choice because I think it was a perfect all-around movie for a Pixar film where. Like you said, Corey, uh, Woody, he gets taken, he gets stolen by uh, Al, and he uh, finds out he's a a, a very uh, big collectible item for Woody's roundup. But uh, like I said, with Toy Story one, Buzz was kind of a dick in Toy Story one, and but also like you said, where we were also not even a year old when it came out, but we were four or five at the time when Toy Story two came out. And that's when I really got into Toy Story, and I was even Buzz Lightyear the the, the following year for Halloween. That's how much I. And then Woody the following year I'm after sure that. I was Buzz for Halloween one yeah. year when I was really young too. So that's how much I grew to like Toy Story, especially the second one. Mm-hmm. And and I I feel I I like that there is a lot of settings throughout this movie. So like it's not just yeah, Andy's yeah, house yeah. where like mm-hmm. in in the first Toy Story it's just Andy's house, <clears throat> Sid's house, and. Pizza Planet, the, or the the arcade place. Well, Toy Story two, you you saw Andy's house, but and then you saw Al's toy barn, and then you saw you saw them in traffic cones crossing the street, and, yeah. and that Al's uh, apartment, and that big scene, yeah, and then Al's apartment, and then the elevator where they're going up, and then you see Zerg come out of nowhere. Uh, so in we the, meet again the for the last time, and then yeah. and then they go to the airport, and it's like wow, they're they're going through all these places in Toy Story two, and and then also, not only that, but they introduce a lot of characters because in the first one, mm-hmm. we already know about Buzz and Woody and Rex, Miss Potato Head. I can go on, but then you you get to you're introduced to Jesse and and Bullseye, and then and and another Buzz Lightyear who who is a even more delusional than than the other Buzz. And then you saw the Barbie uh, uh, collection, yeah, the tour guide. Uh, at, at, yeah, the, tour, the the Barbie tour guide, right? And and then also, like Kenny touched on earlier with uh, with the sad scene. Like, yes, there is a the the saddest scene of all with Andy giving up the toys, but there was also a really sad scene with with learning about Jessie's life uh, when she had a previous toy owner and when she when she eventually gave her up. And and so it was a great all around movie. Definitely uh, had emotional scenes, but also great laughs and a lot of great settings and adventures uh, throughout that movie. So I think Toy Story 2 is overall start to finish the best movie. Yeah, I mean, I dare anyone who's seen Toy Story 2 to listen to When She Loved Me by Sarah McLaughlin that too. and not cry. Yeah. I mean, that that's that song, I mean, it's Sarah McLaughlin, so uh, she makes sad songs, but it's, it's, a, it's a great scene, it's a great song. And honestly, just talking about Toy Story 2, I, I think it is a Shrek and Shrek 2 thing where they, you know, they they need to both exist, and uh, it also made me like Toy Story three less because I realized Toy Story three they reuse a lot of the same stuff that they did in the first two, and I, it's a good movie, it's a good nostalgia movie. But, it's better than Shrek know, the third. It's it's better than Shrek the third. It's not as good as Shrek Forever After. But again, we're not here to talk about DreamWorks. Ra- uh, random side note: uh, I remember talking with Corey and Ben about Shrek and Shrek two, and those guys like Shrek two a lot more than I yep. do where like they like the you guys like the second one more than the first one and I'm definitely vice versa. I did watch the second one recently and like 
That was better than I remembered, but I still like the first one a lot more. So I think like the additional characters is a big key to me in terms of liking the sequel. And I think that's another factor in Toy Story 2, like you just mentioned. Is yeah. you, just, you get new, fresh characters who are, who are really right. good, and I just think it just adds to the story. Um, and it feels well, like they, the, the first one's like maybe missing them. And they and they add characters in three and four, and they're the it wasn't missing them. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Like like Jesse and Bullseye, like and and you know the Prospector to an extent, they are they they complete the group, they complete the story, and then the characters they add in three and four just feel like accessories that they don't need. Well, lots um, lots of is it a little you, sporky? Is that well? That was sporky that the in the God. fourth one. <laughs> sporky and Key and Peele's characters. Like I love Key and Peele, but I didn't need them to be uh. that. At least in the third one, you got to learn about Lotso and the baby. Lotso was just Prospector Pete. <laughs> it's <just> the <laughs> same story. I don't. I mean, I haven't seen Toy Story two in a long time, but I have just realized that with Lightyear coming out, we have a perfect parallel between Pixar and DreamWorks of four movies: Shrek to Shrek four, Toy Story to Toy Story four, Puss in Boots and Lightyear. There, we it, it, something's got to be done here. There's, it's too perfect of four movies and a spinoff. I don't know if I uh, want to watch Shrek five. I don't know happens. if I want to watch that movie because it's not even Tim Allen. It's Chris Evans. It's Chris Evans, and this is what I talk about of them hiring actors instead of voice actors. They had they had a, a, a teaser trailer where Chris Evans says the word "and" and it it jack it actually sounds bad. It genuinely sounds bad, and he said "and." Like I'm not looking forward to it, but I'm gonna see it. I I want to hear your whoever else's opinions uh, before I watch it. And then, and if it's bad, I'll, I'll then I don't even know. know if I want to watch it at all. <laughs> but <laughs> I'll let you know what I think because I will be seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I digress. Moving on, my number one is The Incredibles, which it's honestly not even fair for this to be compared to the rest for me because I'm such a sucker for superhero movies. This is this is completely what I was talking about of like you know I like Up and Wally because like yeah they're Pixar movies and they're what you expect but they're they feel they feel different. They're a little bit different. The Incredibles is isn't in my opinion entirely different. You know, it's it's a movie about family, which a lot of them are, but it's it's a superhero family, which you really it's different. It's it's not different uh from a lot of what we get today, but it's different from from all other Pixar movies. Um and I think they do a great job of showing this family and having their powers be so integral to who they are without having them get in the way of each other. It the the power the, their superpowers like fit seamlessly into who they are and how they interact with each other and it just feels very genuine very real of like yeah if they were a family with superpowers this is probably how they would interact and like you know if this were what were happening in the world this is how it would go um so i think they balance that really well uh unfortunately to move on to my 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 further sequel discussion i enjoyed the sequel it really didn't hold the spirit and wasn't nearly as good. I think Pixar once again kind of forgot what made the first movie good. Um, and just to just to get slightly into it, to, to figure out my whole list here, I ranked every Pixar movie and almost every movie at the bottom of my list are the soulless sequels that were made, uh, which I think The Incredibles unfortunately falls into, uh, The Incredibles 2. Um and the one exception other than Cars is uh, The Good Dinosaur, which I just must mention as easily the worst Pixar movie ever made, in my opinion. I think it's worse than Toy Story 4. I think it's worse than Finding Dory. I, it's it's so it's nothing. It's just so nothing. It, it, 
You, did, I don't you didn't like it. Finding Dory? <laughs> finding Dory didn't need to exist. Uh, I, I, Finding Nemo wasn't my favorite, and Finding Dory was worse. Yeah, finding, um, it's kind of wild that, well, I guess spoiler for Corey, because he hasn't said his number one yet, but none of us had Finding Nemo. None of us had well, Finding even Nemo. Though finding I, Nemo mean, I was going to say that The Incredibles was number six on my list, and Finding Nemo was seven, I should say. like Those were the two that okay, just okay. barely made it. If we did a top finding, seven, I would have been totally fine to talk about them. But yeah, no, I, I do Nemo really is, enjoy is The Incredibles. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was one of those where I was like, I watched Finding Nemo last night. It was kind of like, oh, should I throw this in here? And I was like, mm, I think it's just barely going to make the cut or miss miss the cut for me. But. I've only seen The Incredibles once, and and when when I was a lot younger, when I was in theaters, and I I remember not, I didn't care for it, but I'd have to watch it again to have a stronger opinion because I've only seen it once. I, I barely remember anything about it. I I've been bad about my synopses, but it, it's about. Uh, this guy, Mr. Incredible, was a superhero in the kind of heyday of superheroes. Uh, he, in the beginning of the movie, which is, it's a it's a bit of a, a flashback, or, or they, I guess they jump forward after this scene. He tries to save someone and, and hurts them. And it's actually a really dark scene because this guy was trying to kill himself. Uh, and Mr. Incredible injures him. And he has a line where he says, you didn't save my life, you ruined my death. Uh which is again it's it's very dark mm -hmm. but uh the superheroes end up getting outlawed and then this family the the family um the the par family or the incredible family need to keep their power secret and then a villain emerges who they need to take care of uh mr incredible is secretly still being a superhero keeping it from his family and they all get roped into it and have to save the day from uh syndrome who is who is the 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 main villain of the film, um, but I I I loved it. It you know I don't even think of it as a Pixar movie. I just think of it as The Incredibles. Uh, again, it kind of stands out on its own. Uh, one last note on the Good Dinosaur. I would like to congratulate it on no longer being the worst Pixar movie once Turning Red comes out next month. Uh, I think it's great that Pixar is continuing to diversify their movies with a Chinese Canadian family. But I do not have high hopes for this movie. Uh, anyway, The Incredibles favorite movie. I do think it's interesting that you said like part of the reason why The Incredibles is far and away your number one is that it's a superhero movie. You're obviously a big fan of superhero movies. Um, I didn't talk about it. Brian didn't talk about it. But I think maybe what puts Cars up on our list is that it is technically a sports movie. Like I know we're not big NASCAR uh, yeah, fans, no, but that, that is one thing sense. I'm like, that's probably why it's in my top five. <laughs> that makes sense. Honestly, yeah. Uh -huh. You know, it's funny. I really thought I was going to get through a top five without mentioning a sport. And then I just realized, oh. Right off the bat, no. I mentioned no, yeah, racing. Great. <laughs> yeah, immediately. Yeah. Uh, uh, so anyway, I'll I'll finally wrap this up with my number one, and that is A Bug's Life, one of the originals, the second one right after Toy Story. This was a film that it was all over the place uh, in terms of how high I would have it on my list, whether it would even make it, and I watched it, and. I don't know. I'm sure that there are other Pixar movies that I would laugh at, but I don't remember this movie being as funny as it was. And there was so much humor with all these side characters that they throw in. So, of course, the main story, you have Flick the Ant. He is uh, an ambitious inventor who believes that he can... Uh, gather greens faster than all the other ants. He wants to go against the green. He wants to stand up to the the grasshoppers who are above them in the you know the the social hierarchy. And I, I think it's it's an ex inspiring story from that factor. And then you also just toss in you got Heimlich the caterpillar, Francis the male ladybug, like all these other 
um, just like funny circus performers who are terrible at their job, but Flick sees them accidentally, uh, you know, stand up to like bully flies in a bar and thinks that they're the heroes who are going to stand up to Hopper and the other grasshoppers. And it's worth noting Hopper is a an incredible villain, but one of the, the better villains that Pixar has. And very fitting that he's played by Kevin Spacey. He doesn't have to play a bad human being to be, uh, you know, fitting in a, an evil person role, uh, evil grasshopper in this case. And of course, you have Hopper's comedic relief, dim-witted brother, Molt. Uh, I, I just think there's so much going on in this movie. I think just like the visuals in this one and the animation, I guess coming from like someone with a computer science background just kind of wowed me what they were able to do in 1998, even with the Toy Story movies and in the late 90s as well. So... I love this movie. Uh, I think part of the reason why I love it as well is I really enjoyed the short at the beginning of this with like the old man playing chess against himself. Uh, yeah, which that's yeah. not not part of this movie, but you know it, it still I think becomes a factor for me. So uh, you know, I, I I just think it's an incredible film. Um, I I went into this thinking I would like it, and then thinking maybe I wouldn't after watching some others, and then just having my expectations be blown away again. Um, so it's it's one where I think a lot of people consider it a forgotten Pixar movie. It's kind of overlooked, but uh, just all around, I, I think they did a, a really great job just making a movie about bugs. And I I don't like bugs at all. I hate bugs, and I I still love the bugs life. So yeah, I'm really glad you had this on here, uh, especially as number one because. I, like you, I think it gets overlooked, especially being I think sandwiched between the first two tour stories. Yeah, right? right. I think they were the, the first three movies, uh-huh. and people forget about it, like you said. And I love this movie. It it not quite enough. It it didn't stand out for me enough to be my top five. But even just you talking about the opening, the the short of the guy playing chess against himself, that's so stuck in my brain. Um, and again, that's kind of feeding into nostalgia. But nostalgia is not bad. No. Um, well, we actually I, watched it, correct me if I'm wrong, on a bus trip to New York City in fourth grade. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, I think that yeah. also plays a role. Uh, right. With, and so, you know. yeah, I, th- I think it's a really good movie uh, for all the reasons you said. I don't really have anything to add. I'm just glad that you uh, brought it up because I wasn't going to. One movie that I'd like to mention, uh, Corey talked about a top seven. And I mentioned that my first honorable mention would have been Ratatouille. And I guess, to, well, Toy Story would have been another honorable mention, but again, I didn't want to talk about three different Toy Stories because I love all three of them. And then the fourth one, you, even though I like it a lot more than Kenny, I'll admit, like, yeah, maybe I could have done it without that one. But the the one Pixar movie that I wanted to mention that was not mentioned in anyone's top five was Monsters, Inc. or Monsters University. That, That's another yeah, great one okay, I really well, liked as well. I don't know. It's a sequel. Well, one <laughs> one or the other, Monsters, Inc. or Monsters, Monsters Inc. Monsters, Inc. Is, is great. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention both because I thought both of them were good. I, I did like Monsters Inc. That was like a little further down on my list. Yeah, um, never I, really had I probably would have that seventh, five. which I know is <laughs> too far down now. But like, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I'd also like to throw out an honorable mention if I can for Brave, which is panned for some reason. People just seem to hate Brave, and I don't think it's necessarily one of one of Pixar's best. But it's probably because I I lived in Scotland for a while and I love Scotland, but I really liked it. Um, I don't like. I say it's it's probably realistically middle of the road, but people people act like it's the worst Pixar movie, and I I don't think it's fair. So I just like to throw it out as as hey, it's not bad. It's fine. It's pretty good. Yeah, I I haven't seen Brave, but I I didn't know that it was panned. I thought it was um, 
not necessarily at widely least from acclaimed, what I've but I thought seen. a lot of people liked it. At least from what I've seen, people are kind of like, yeah, but you don't have to bother with Brave. It's kind of not good. But I mean, I, I don't, I haven't seen people compare it to the good dinosaur. That one's. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. That'll wrap up this episode. Uh, you know, it was funny when we were talking about Joe Rogan experience. I almost made a comment that I don't, I'm not interested because I'm not interested in a three, four hour long podcast. And well, yeah. here we are. I was, I was convinced that we wouldn't take this long. And you know, I, yeah. You know. It's funny that I put the time markers and I got too far. It's like, F it. Like, where are we going to go Who over? Who cares? Yeah. So my, yeah. yeah. Are you going to split it up into two? No, I'll probably just release it as one episode. I just don't know if it'll be out Wednesday morning. I mean, I'm not going to be done until like 3 a.m. <laughs> if I stay up all night trying to edit this. <laughs> hey, if you listen at two times speed, it's only an hour and a half. You're right. This is the episode to listen at twice speed. <laughs> I don't know if I... As we I, say at the I, very I, end of the I, Yeah, right. The I, yeah. I've said, I've said this to you, Corey, a million times. I don't know if I've said it on air but anytime we have a guest on especially kenny i'll admit like i completely forget about time markers and i just enjoy talking it's, yeah it's fun to have a conversation yeah you know like we're it's the same thing anti-vax covid conspiracies talking uh you know football and pixar it's, it's just having yeah. a conversation don't take it seriously I've got more to say. We can keep going if you want. You we want to keep easily going? could. No, I, I think I think it's a good time to wrap it up now. <laughs> well, and I would say the good news is we won't have a new episode next week. We'll take the week off. You have two weeks to listen to us. We'll be back to recap the Super Bowl, everything that goes down in L.A. between the Bengals and the Rams. And, you know, it's our annual Super Bowl recap, end of the season. Um, so, yeah, take your time. Hopefully you listen to all the football stuff. Pixar, you have time on. Uh, but, yeah, so... For my co-host, Brian Wells, and our guest host, Kenny Cashman, I'm Corny Bondi. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>